Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 the dave ellswick show podcast is sponsored by the juris law group we provide estate planning for all ages and we specialize in helping seniors get va and medicaid benefits for in-home assisted living and nursing home care for a no-risk consultation call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com that's j-u-r-i-s-t lawgroup.com it's a tuesday power panels here how you doing dave ellswick 96.5 fm the answer uh if you didn't know we are on facebook live now to uh, watch us just go to facebook.com slash dave ellswick show you like the page you can watch and listen at the same time so that that'll work out rd hopper is here today carl kimball is here as a special uh, uh, participant and then paul calvert well he finally got back from uh, florida i was wondering maybe if he just liked it a little too much <laughs> and was going to stay over there well it was pretty warm while we were down there we had a we had a fun time i guess we, did you I, eat a lot of seafood I know. I don't know that I ate any seafood at all. What? I, I took my mother down there for some Bible lectures, and so we yeah. we did that, and then um, we kind of rushed back. Man, not eating any seafood in Florida, man. That's almost criminal. Well, almost, not quite. Almost. <laughs> almost, not quite. I'm not a Democrat, so I will not make it a crime, just so you'll know. Not yet, but we might make it a, um, what is it, a civil violation? Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> we, we could do that. Uh, don't forget tonight, 7 o'clock, Riverdale 10, classic movie, Sound of Music, Julie Andrews tonight. So, uh, got the best opening shot of any movie ever made. I mean, that's a one-take shot. Oh, wow. From a helicopter. Wow. Well, she was on the side of that mountain and mm-hmm. twirling around in her <laughs> dress and singing that the hills were alive with the Sound of Music. That's the only part of the movie I like. <laughs> <laughs> I like the part where the Nazis got it from the nuns. That's the kind of, I kind of yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah I'm not. The... I'm not a Sound of Music big fan at all. I like Julie well, Andrews. I'm not and, really a fan of musicals, but I love know, Mary it. Mary Nazis take it in the shorts. That's just exactly yeah. right. Well, that's that's definitely right. That's why I like Cabaret. Yeah, Cabaret is one of my favorite musicals. I've probably dark, seen dark musical. I've probably watched the Sound of Music dozens of times well there's nothing wrong with it i mean the music is good i'm just not a big fan of the movie of that one yeah. christopher Plummer mm-hmm. hated doing that movie really that's interesting. he says in his memoirs that he was drunk most of the time that he was on set well you might movie. have to be drunk too dave if you were playing the admiral of a <laughs> landlocked country <laughs> that's, true. that's true he was he really had some problems but anyway that's tonight seven o'clock We've opened up a second theater, Wow! so uh, the first theater is sold out. Second theater is getting close. We'll probably end up doing three three movie wow. theaters tonight for Sound mm. of the Music. Cool. Next week, uh, next week, mixed, uh, next month is starting to pick up now. We're, uh, you'll like this, Carl. This is a movie that you, I think, like as well as I do, Clockwork Orange. 
Yes, as a matter of fact, I remember one of the first Dave Ellswick uh, special movies back when you were doing them on midnight on Saturday mm-hmm. was Clockwork Orange, yep. and I was in attendance at that. And you you had a tough time getting the esteemed Philip Martin to wrap up his <laughs> review and sit down <laughs> so we could watch the movie. I was telling Matt Smith about that last Friday during a break. I said I brought in you know Philip to just kind of <clears throat> set the the table a little bit about the movie. <laughs> And he went into a 30-minute dissertation about I mean, he's it. A, and, and he's I he's a brilliant man, but he yeah. loves the sound of his own voice there. And he likes to use big words mm. because he mm. feels like he must drive everybody to a thesaurus <laughs> whenever they read his uh, columns. And, and But that's all right. I, I really like I Philip as a one. great guy. He's a great guy. He is. But the bottom line is, is that, uh, yeah, he went a little long-winded on the, the movie. <laughs> that was that funny. Time. And I, I finally... Finally stood up and said, Philip, that's really great. I enjoyed what you had to say. <laughs> Carl and his mom back there went. <laughs> but uh, if you're coming to see Gone with the Wind, get your tickets. We're into our fourth theater already. Wow. Those tickets are going what's like the, What's the date on that cakes. one? Well, second, uh, second Tuesday of, uh, of April. April. Okay. That's wow. when it is. And we thought it would draw well, but it is. Wow. really drawing well it's we're going to be one of the few theaters in the united states that will show that movie now i heard there's right. another theater here in the area i heard might show the movie as well so hmm. but we're showing it first so if you want to see it come on well if they'll let you get away with showing blazing saddles i think you'll be okay <laughs> on this one that's coming up this year too yeah, that's yeah, our I think, I think, that's our first amendment celebration that yeah, we do i'm yeah. at the skip lodge and go to that one yeah i think blazing saddles is um makes uh, gone over the wind look mild oh true true oh well yeah <laughs> yeah i mean uh, except that it's huck the Finn way for the 20th century oh man mm. don't even get me started on the books again <laughs> did, did you hear me talking about that the other day about the books that they're saying huckleberry finn and uh the other one was it was tom story huckleberry finn and what was the other one? Oh, oh, kill a mockingbird mm-hmm. yeah can imagine yeah. can you imagine banning you know at least a two a Pulitzer Prize winning book, but but the whole point of To Kill a Mockingbird and the whole point of Huckleberry Finn yeah. was against racism. Yes, it was, and 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 yet because they were set in the style of the times in which they were, mm-hmm. the snowflakes who just can't stand to be offended want to quash great American literature whose whole point was fighting racism in their times, and they fought racism in their times by using the vernacular of their yeah, times. What, what, what is, why do people – what's racist about the to kill a mockingbird? Because it, it was use, fighting racism. They use the N-word in it. That, yeah, that, yeah. There's a massive, yeah, massive and, movement and abroad. don't use the that, N-word. Yeah, no. anytime. And, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't use it in polite company myself. <laughs> but if I read it on a page, I want, I'm not going to go apoplectic. Now, I can't speak for all my fellow citizens. But, but the whole point of, of the book, To Kill a Mockingbird, was to point out the injustices of racism and to urge America towards a, a truly more colorblind justice system. Yeah. Do you agree with me? Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and That's the Huck same Finn, way with Huck It was required and, reading and in Huck school. Finn, it, was, it was a young boy that was, that was not terribly well-educated, but he had a good heart. And who and he was, was his friend? And who his, his friend was Jim, the runaway slave. slave. Yeah. And he was helping Jim to get away. Hey, yeah. And, you know, the whole point of the of the uh, Mark Twain books was against racism and yeah. against those things that people hate so bad and associate with that word. 
but they're written in the vernacular of their time for the people of the time they were written for. Zach was fill, filling in for Russ today. I talked about it and I said, Samuel Clemens. Mm. And somebody called said who? <laughs> yeah, called and said, that was Mark Twain that wrote that book. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah let me correct the record yeah okay let me correct that yeah it was mark twain <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny but the three that just blew me away were lord of flies animal farm and uh there was another uh 1984 those three books are being swept off of the reading lists of high school students well, because those books especially especially animal farm in 1984 are extremely anti-communist, which is a, they're anti-big government control over every Absolutely. aspect of people's lives. And all you got to do is look around. And the so-called social yeah, the so-called social reformers and the brilliant minds who want to protect us against the evil influence of these books are the people, the very same people that want to grow government, want government to have an ever larger slice of our lives under their control, and so naturally anti-communist, anti-Big Brother literature is going to be anathema to them. Animal Farm is no quite, doubt about is, that. Animal Farm is directly against the idea of, Absolutely. of, of it. And, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's a, that, that's where I get the statement of some pigs are more equal than other pigs. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, all p- pigs are equal, just some pigs are more, more equal, equal than others. So saith Napoleon. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's such a great book. I actually make my kids read that book well, well, when i are... i i subscribe it to them i give it to them and say you will read this and then we're going to sit down and talk about whenever it. arkansas decides to quit being totally dependent on the federal government if they ever decide to wean off of all the federal money then we can that control our happen. own schools we can control our own schools it, there's nothing uh it is a federal law that the federal government cannot control what is in our school r- classrooms of our sc- schools but they can have okay. tests and say you know what if your kids do real good on these tests then we're going to give you bonus and we're going to give you more money the dang- and, and then they control what's in the test they control what's in the curriculum and before you know it they control everything with a class book the superintendent and the school board and the parents have no say which of leads, what materials which leads to are in the whole schools point of the because we sold RG. out. Right. Which we, leads to the whole point of the exercise, which is to mold the young people that are going through our school system so they don't value individual liberty and self-preservation, uh, self-motivation, uh, and those things that we consider those homely American in, values that made us <clears throat> thank you. Individual liberty is the key to everything, and they're trying to suck it out of the next generation because well, it makes them harder to control. And the federal government dangles a nice soft teat in front of them, and, and guess what? They suck. <laughs> yeah. and, and see, d- but don't you guys? That's well put. Don't you guys know that one of the words they used in the book that I was reading about is, is jingoism and. What it is, is they want to remove the pride from all the countries that would make you fight the country next to you because you think that your way is better than their way. So as soon as they convince all the countries of the world that everybody's created equal and there is no right and there is no wrong and there is no source of authority, then uh, the world will be one happy place. There will be no more wars. If we were all equal... 
people wouldn't be trying to bust in here and take part in what we've got. Well, if, if all if all morality ide- ideologies were equal, yeah, no, they're not. We need to recognize the fact that, that that morality is is a constant, and 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 the idea that some other ideologies about morality they're wrong. What you recognize that what, what you're talking about, Paul, and, and and what was alluded to in the philosophy of what R. D. was talking about, they're doing to us is antinomialism. Antinomialism is essentially the idea of saying and teaching that there are no fundamental moral values. One religion's as good as the next. One country's as good as the next. Your idea is as good as the next. We've all got to be equal. And so we end up with majority rule. And so the majority wants this, therefore it must be right. And, and Whatever and, the justice system decides. And, and when you <laughs> make, judicial system. Let's not call it justice system. And, and when you make everybody equal, you never make everybody equal to the top. When you make everybody equal, you make everybody equal From the on bottom. the bottom. Yeah, let's, and, let's, and we all share in the misery, share in the poverty, share in the degradation, and that's the ultimate outcome of the kind of policies that take away individual liberty and try to substitute some state control for every aspect except, of our lives. Except for the masters who rule over us. Benevolently, <laughs> well, that, of course. That, that, that Kim Jong-un does not have to obey the laws of North Korea, is what you're saying. And that's kind of true here. How about Otherwise, Cuba? Hillary would be in jail. Yeah, How about sister Cuba? doesn't either. Cuba's the same thing. Just look at Cuba. Don't get me started on that. And, and, I mean, look at Puerto Rico and the mindset of those people there. Listen, capitalism works. It's the Everywhere only thing. It's, it's the only thing that it, that will keep us where we're at. But the everybody, you know, from the Republican establishment in Washington to the Republican establishment in Arkansas believes that socialism is a better way and they need to control our health care they need to control every aspect of our lives. Every aspect. You're so right. For, cry, for crying out loud, you and, can't cut hair without a, without a license yeah, in Arkansas. Yeah. And, and Republic, you can't do corn roll braids without without going to school for like 10 months or actually, 12. Actually, no. Actually, we got that fixed, I think. Well, you know, Bob, Bob Ballinger that. actually got, got a bill passed to deal with that. So that's we, we got something I called, fixed. I called State Representative Ballinger mm-hmm. and asked him if I could shave my head <laughs> or whether I would be arrested. We're doing my own hair. Well, ah! going to a hairdresser. Well, the thing is, you know, you know, if you paid me two dollars to do it, I might go to jail. Yeah, I would like to learn how to use a straight razor. Do you realize, talking about licensing, that if you go to like, uh, what is it, uh, Pro Clips or whatever that place is, or Sports Clips, have you ever noticed they don't use straight razors anymore to go around your neck and things of that nature because they cannot. They cannot use a straight razor. They have to use the clippers. You go to a barber. They can use a straight razor. Well, only if they've taken the class. Oh, wow. Of how to use a straight razor. And then they get to use the straight razor. Here's, <laughs> this is the funniest. I one. believe it. When you go to it. get your hair cut, they always use the vacuum cleaner on you, you know, to take the, the hair off. Mm-hmm. Because unless you have, unless you're a barber and have a barber's license, you can't use the brush to brush the hair really? off. What? Yeah. You gotta have you have to have a special license to use a brush to brush, to brush the someone's hair off. neck. That's exactly <laughs> right. I thought, TMG. Fact, Larry Witherspoon is on the line. Now Larry cuts hair. Or he did. Larry, do you still cut hair? Of course I do. All right. Do you have your do you have your brush license? 
I have a brush license. <laughs> I, I use a vacuum cleaner on the floor. Where did you but get Dave, stamped at? <laughs> but, but Dave, I'm such a good cutter. I don't get hair on my customer. It goes to the floor. I like that. <laughs> That's probably That's true. That's how good I am. Now, do you, I know how to use a straight razor also. Okay, so if I come to you, will you shave my head? If you want me to, I'll do it. All right. I have to come and see you. That's one of the best I'm feelings. I can, I can fix you up. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, then getting I, the inside of the ears up, is the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I have to, he if I have to clean up, I charge triple. Okay. <laughs> if I get okay. blood on, if I get blood on your floor, you charge triple. <laughs> I charge triple. Yeah. You know, then you got to call in hazmat and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love that. I love it. All right. Hey, Larry, I wanted to ask a ahead. question about, um, about these books. Yes. I um, have you ever heard of the poem "If" by Rudyard Kipling? I can't yep. say it right. Yeah, Rudyard Kipling. Yeah, have heard of okay. that. Okay, my daughter is an English teacher uh, down in Fordyce. She's an English teacher. Mm-hmm. I, I asked her. I told her. I said, if you can teach your class to memorize that poem, I will give them a pizza party. And she said, that's fantastic. Um, I'll see what I can do about that. Uh oh. My son is a coach about two years difference in, from college. And I told him, I said, if you can get like some of your kids to, you know, PE class to learn this poem, I'll throw him a pizza party. And he said, what are you talking about? What point? And I go, Nick, if I said, don't y'all study that? And he said, dad, I'm sorry, but I, I never heard of that. Whereas the English teacher knew all about it. Is this something that they've dropped out of school too? Probably so. Y'all know it's right. I've got it here. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself self when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two important just the same. Imposters. Imposters. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, is that that what I said? Imposters. Thank you. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twist it by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss, if you can force your heart and nerve and and sinew uh, to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Truly inspirational. Yeah. I had to memorize that when I was in school, but that's been 50 years ago. Yeah, they don't First do that kind of stuff too. anymore. All right, Larry. Well, I, I did too, and I'm trying to memorize it now, and I've got the first 
two verses down and part of the of the or segments and part of the third down. But I, that is probably one of the most brilliant written documents of all time. And uh, I I truly think they ought to be pushing this in the schools hardcore. Amen, brother. Right. But, let, you know, gotta, here we are. Got to let you go, Larry. Thank you for your call. My favorite poem is Choose Something Like a Star by Robert Frost. I'll read that sometime, you know. That one you just read was good. Got to take it. That's a good one, man. That's a that, that I had to learn that when I was in well, high school. I graduated in '85 and I never heard it. <laughs> All right. All right. A break. Here we go. Now, during that break, as I was sitting here, I was I was listening uh to uh Carl and to RD have a discussion about a car and Carl was asking RD who owns Sonny's uh, auto salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. If he could find X, Y, Z part for his car. And you said, yes. I mean, you knew exactly what he was at. He was asking for. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I do. That's <laughs> like right. That. He just looks at me like, do you want me to talk? <laughs> yes, I want you to talk. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, what... this is something we talk about uh, Sunday's Auto Salvage all the time. If you don't have it, you're attached to thousands of other salvage yards, and somebody's probably going to have it. Right. Uh, if you call us, we're in the parts business. We're going to take the time to find what you need. And uh, that's what we are experts in, and, and that's what we do. We try not to say no. We just try to say when and how much. Yeah, and so, give, and give yeah. us a few moments to find it. Yeah, that's right. So it usually only takes a few moments. When you've got 10,000 salvage yards and a computer system links it up, it, does, it doesn't take you but a few moments to find anything that you need. See, this is where, you know, technology really comes in handy. used to be you'd had to get on the horn and start calling everybody else and ask them, do you have this or that? Then they would have to look through books to see right. if they had those parts because they didn't have everything on a, on a computer. And 75 but, phone calls later, you might find something. Yeah. But yeah. harnessing <laughs> modern technology to the entrepreneurial spirit yes. of an independent businessman rd becomes my hero in less than five minutes what a guy and, yeah it was <laughs> this quick. is a great american here that was quick for you i mean I you asked you. and he was able i said to... gee how can i get this and he goes oh here's one right here yeah that was, <laughs> so funny. Man. Yeah, that was funny you you looked at him like you're kidding me aren't you and Already? no he wasn't no man. very cool this is one I of the kind it. of guys that makes commerce work and makes the trade keep going and the economy keep percolating boy we need we need more RDs and fewer James Comeys well, in our society. Yeah, yeah we the, really the cool do. thing about it is that when you make a when you have a good product, which is or, or service, you make everyone richer. Yeah. All of us become wealthier when we offer goods goods and services to each other. I yeah, agree. businesses in business to help people uh, save money and to help people that are in business to help them uh, stay in business. So uh, it's when, a mutual it's a mutual thing, but. Uh, too called too capitalism. Many, it's called hey. capitalism. Everybody <laughs> wins. It's when just, us capitalists help somebody, everybody wins. That's, that's exactly right. right. Everybody wins. And nobody hand. and nobody fights over it. It's a peaceful, you know, way of right. of uh, trading services for other things. I mean, it might be money. You might trade a service for a service. Right. That's all capitalism. Right. Well, and it's unlike the government. Government comes with guns and forces you to do stuff. But like with R.D. Hopper here, 
He all voluntary. With, he doesn't come with guns. In fact, he'll he'll actually welcome no, you to second. bring your guns <laughs> on his establishment because he's such a, such in, so much in favor. The only of reason I know that is that he did not have either hand under the table. <laughs> <laughs> and we could have said R.D. Yeah, he, shot first. He, he's he's so so much better than government that he doesn't have to point a gun at you to do to make you do business with nope. him. All right, to do business with Sonny's Auto Salvage, you need a part for your car, whether it's a small part. Can be a, a tail light like I've bought from Sonny's, or it can be a, a transmission and have it installed by Sonny's Auto Salvage, like I've done as well. All you got to do is call 982 7451. That's 982 7451. All right, Comey back in the news, daily caller today. FBI Director James Comey held a secret Oval Office meeting. With President Obama two weeks before Trump's inauguration and may have deliberately misled Congress about it, according to an email sent by National Security Advisor Susan Rice, that GOP Senators Grassley and Graham partially unclassified. The meeting, which Comey never previously disclosed to Congress, occurred in the White House on January 5, 2017. It included Obama, Biden, Rice, uh, Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates and Comey. Topic of the meeting, potential Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. By failing to inform the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence about the meeting in his June 8, 2017 testimony, Comey may have deliberately and intentionally misled Congress about his interactions with the former president, especially a meeting so close to Trump entering the White House. Quote, President Obama had a brief follow-on conversation with FBI Director Comey and Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates in the Oval Office. Rice wrote in an email written the day before the inauguration. The National Archives gave Grassley and Graham, quote, classified and unclassified emails about the meeting. Previously, Comey contended he only met with Obama twice, once in 2015 and another to say goodbye in late 2016, according to the former FBI director's June 8th, 2017 testimony uh, before the Senate Select Committee on uh, Intelligence. So uh, the two senators told Rice, it strikes us as odd that among your activities in the final moments on the final day of the Obama administration, you would feel the need to send yourself such an unusual email purporting to document a conversation involving <laughs> President Obama and his interactions with the FBI regarding the Trump-Russia investigation. In addition, despite your claim that President Obama repeatedly told Mr. Comey to proceed by the book, substantial questions now have risen about whether officials at the FBI, as well as the Justice Department and the State Department, actually did proceed by the book. So, interesting things coming out about that. With that said, just the other day, uh, Newt Gingrich was talking about Comey, and uh, here's what he had to say. That's cut number three. Don't you think if President Trump knew about this and knew how involved Comey was, he would have been fired on day one, correct? Sure. Well, yeah, of course. Look, if everybody understood that Comey began writing the Clinton exoneration two months before he interviewed her, 
he'd been fired on day one. If everybody understood that Comey was apparently changing the language to fit what the attorney general told him so it was parallel with the Clinton campaign, he'd have been fired on day one. You just go through what we've learned in the last six or eight months about uh, Director Comey, you realize this guy was totally in the tank, mm -hmm. doing everything he could to protect Clinton and get Trump, uh, and that he has he really, I think, has a huge potential legal problem. All right. I mean... This is just another example of all these other things that we found out about James Comey, and nothing happens to the guy. You know, that's what everybody said when they were Trump fired Comey eventually. Uh, I, all I couldn't figure out is I don't know why he didn't do it on the first day. Yeah. Who yeah. brought Comey to town? Who brought him to town? Who elevated him to the position that he was in? Who has been breading his butter, uh, put or buttering his bread ever since he got to Washington D.C. He he was infected, no. and he should have been gone. On I think day by one. now he's been proven to be a liar, and and that email that you were just referencing that was from Susan Rice. Yes, Susan Rice, who appeared on five different television shows on yeah. one Sunday to lie through her teeth yep. about the cause of the Benghazi fiasco. Oh, you got to and, video, right? <clears throat> you know, it, Susan Rice has been so thoroughly discredited and so completely proven a liar that if she put in the president if she put in that uh, email to herself that the president said do everything by the book that almost convinces me that the president was telling people not to do everything by the book <laughs> because there's a horrible horrible stench arising from the wreckage of the Obama presidency that is reaching higher and higher levels. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him go all the way to the top because we know that Obama's been in meetings with some of these people who are known liars and who are involved in this misuse of the FBI for political purposes in ways that have destroyed its reputation for who knows how long. Well, let's talk about that. IRS, the Department of Justice, <laughs> Fast and Furious, and we can go into some other things that they that they were doing with the Black Panthers and things of that nature. Uh, you know, this whole thing with Comey and the uh, Hillary investigation. I mean, if a man, if, if a president here recently should have been talked about being impeached, it is this president. There's no Every, doubt about it. It's this president. You're talking about the previous one. Yeah. Too Obama, late, too late to Trump. impeach him. Oh, All yeah, you can you do by impeaching him is take him out of office. And he served out his term with dignity and lots of praise. Yeah, take away take away his uh, money that he's going to get yeah. every year. Well, that but, would be okay with me. Yeah. But, you know, I, uh, I've been following American politics pretty closely for over 50 years, and I never thought I would see a president more incompetent than Jimmy Carter. I never <laughs> thought I would see a president more dishonest than Bill Clinton. And I never thought that I would see a president more destructive of the constitutional order than Richard Nixon, mm -hmm. but we got the trifecta in Obama. Yeah, we did. He, I don't see how he can be anything but the worst president in American history because he's the only president in American history that's hated the Constitution and hated this country so bad he wanted to fundamentally transform it forever. So what did I always say to you, uh, Carl, about, about uh, President Obama? I said Jimmy Carter gets down on his knees every yep. night and thanks God for President Obama, so he's not and, at the and, bottom and, of and, all yeah, the president. And I've had to apologize to the ghost of Richard Nixon for hating us <laughs> so long. Yeah, but, but you know, the truth will not come out entirely. Washington no. is still today what it was when Barack Obama was in there 
vastly. It's very much what it was. There are a lot of Every department still in place. The, yeah, yeah, there are a bunch of them and are that's still in the place. Problem. And uh, these agencies have been uh, are all political now. Mm-hmm. Everybody in these agencies, what they're concerned about is when is my retirement, and how how long can I keep my job. And don't make anybody powerful or with a lot of money or in a high position mad. So the truth is gone. The justice is gone. It's all politics. Everything in Washington's politics right now. I've seen it in the Department of Justice working on automotive boards before. The truth is irrelevant. If you get something that works, nobody even wants to hear it because it might make somebody mad. So, uh, Obama brought out the problem that existed Amen. before he got there. Yeah, he, and yeah, now, and now the truth, I don't think they'll change it because there's guilt on both sides. Yeah, I don't think Obama is is is, is the problem. I, I think he was probably just another wing of the problem, if you will. But, but I think that the system is corrupt. So many of the people in the system are corrupt. And some of them are, are, are so corrupt, they think they're righteous. Mm. The, the, you've just got mm-hmm. people out there. They've been immersed in it for so long. They think this is right. They don't know right from wrong. Well, I I think the problem is that Obama completely and thoroughly politicized every aspect of the federal government. Every part of the federal government was aligned to crush anybody with conservative ideals or believed in the Constitution. We, We know that the IRS was used to punish people just because they belong to groups with a conservative or a pro-American or pro-Constitution philosophy. It's it's just absolutely uncontrovertible that the IRS was perverted to be used for political purposes against enemies. That's one of the things I hated Nixon for. He was a piker compared to Obama in that regard. And now we find out that there is reasonable evidence already on the table, unclassified, that the FBI was turned into a political tool, Mm -hmm. too, that the FBI protected people that were breaking the law. And the DOJ. The the entire Department of Justice was geared to protecting Democrats that broke the law and making up things that didn't happen to prosecute Republicans and destroy their lives and keep them from assuming power for so you know when you've got the IRS and the FBI on you, you got a pretty tall mountain to climb if you're going to accomplish anything. And, and I, think, I, just, I think that illustrates why we need to keep the government from being being powerful. Because you know, I, if the government was not massively powerful, then these things wouldn't matter. Yeah. Carl, I think in many give, respects, I agree with you, but I think you give Obama a little bit too much credit. I think the Clintons were doing many of the things that Obama <laughs> was doing when the Clintons were in there, and and people, all he did was take something that had been going on. You said the same thing was happening during Nixon's administration. The same things have been going on. But they're going on worse now. Washington is advancing and getting more corrupt and getting bigger, and Obama helped push the football way farther down the field than we thought that any one president would ever be able to push it. He made a lot of progress in installing socialism. He did not invent the tactics that he used. No. The tactics were there long before he got there, but he used mm-hmm. them to the best of his ability. Mm-hmm. And he was so much smarter than everybody else by taking things and like his Obamacare and addicting everybody to the cocaine before he left. It was just one and step. It was just pair. one. Yeah. Yeah. One, one farther step. Well, and yeah. now you've got the Republicans that love socialism just as much 
just as much as he did because they're addicted to the money. Especially here in Arkansas. But but Republicans, at least, they want to do the social. They want to do socialism conservatively. (laughs) Right. All right. Let's get a break in. We got to do that. Let me remind you: if you want some great tasting beef, look no further than Lewis Family Beef up in Greenbrier. Uh, Cody and Sarah Lewis have uh, their ranch, their farm up there. They never inject their cattle with antibiotics uh, that are going to be sold to be consumed, nor do they load them up with additional hormones uh, that uh, you don't, uh, you know, that cows don't need. They're just uh, put in there to try to, just like uh, like a weightlifter does when they uh, they they juice up to build bigger muscles. That's what they do with cows to build bigger cows. So uh, you get clean beef from the folks out at uh, the Lewis family uh, beef farm. And by the way, yes, I do know cows have hormones, okay, naturally. I'm talking about the hormones that are injected, and that is not naturally. Also, uh, they're raised on uh, basically grass. They're out there. Uh, walking around and, and mowing down the grass and staying stress-free, which leads to more tender meat. Uh, you can buy a quarter, a half, or a whole cow. The packing house will give you a call, set up how you want that cut up for yourself. I mean, do you want, like Carl, you like your uh, your T-bone steaks in uh, four-inch increments, or do you like it in uh, a, a two-inch increment? How much uh, roast, roast beef? How much? How many roasts do you want? And uh, how much uh, ground beef do you want? I'll tell you this much. You eat their beef, you won't go to a big store, big box store to buy beef again. That's uh, Lewis Family Beef. Call them 501-514-1494. That's 501-514-1494. Or visit them on Facebook, facebook.com, Lewis Family Beef. All right, back. Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so we, we talked about Comey. I wanted to talk about him. I want to play cut number uh, nine because it's like cut number one. Well, we're up. We got two minutes left here. We'll pick it up next hour. Next hour, I'm going to talk about the uh, the president talking about the 1.5 trillion that he wants to spend. Well, he's not spending 1.5 trillion, 300 billion dollars with state money and with uh, private money it comes up to 1.5 trillion dollars overall had somebody on yesterday talking about that so if you think about uh you know 300 billion that pales in significance to what president obama did for those shovel ready jobs that never appeared those shovel ready trillion dollars as mark stein put it dumped in the potomac to be washed out to sea (laughs) (laughs) mark stein I love uh, Mark Stein. Yeah, He's a too. great guy. So, so He's really, shovel, really good. Is a shovel-ready job one of those jobs where you have these guys on the side of the road who lean on a shovel? Yeah, I guess. That's kind of ready. They said that that was just a, one of a long line of lies that were perpetuated by the Obama administration. What a big surprise. Like, you know, you can keep your doctor and everybody was going to save like $2,000 on their health care and all of that. All of those were lies. They knew from the moment they spoke them that it was not that way. Like Harry Reid said, we won, didn't we? Yeah, Harry Reid, of course, is the one you were mentioning about single-payer just a moment ago. 
uh, Carl. He's the one who said they wanted to go for single payer, but they knew the American people wasn't ready yeah. for it yet. We wouldn't eat the dog food. Yeah, that was <laughs> it. All right, we got to get a break in. Fox is next. When we come back, let's talk about infrastructure, but let's talk about debt as well. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. I got to tell you what, Ross, I'm, I'm getting a huge pile of paperwork over here because of the lawyers. You know, they make everybody fill out a, a form now if they come on the show because we're doing Facebook Live. And you got to do that or, uh, you know, they, they say, I can't have you on. Hmm. I, I told Paul that if I thought of anything really brilliant, I was going to hold it back for when it wouldn't be copyright <laughs> to someone else. There you go. Well, I, you know, I steal a saying from you all the time. I refuse to lick the boot of the person who oppresses me. I refuse to lick the boot that's on my neck. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing. Same thing. I've, you said that probably 16 years ago probably, on my show. Probably. You know, you've been you've been around me for a long time. Yeah, you and I met Kimball. when you when you first came to town in two thousand and we're talking about being a libertarian yep. and I was on the state libertarian board at the time and, and I looked you up and we got to be friends and, and we worked on the Harry Brown campaign. In fact that's been almost eighteen years ago. I am a Harry Brown supporter still. Yeah. Harry Brown, my favorite. He would have been a great president. My, yes, he would have. He, my favorite thing that he ever said is that the government comes and breaks your legs and then shows up a week later with crutches and says, I'm here to help you. And we and we say thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, People, we're, and we're dumb enough Harry to say Harry didn't thank throw you. that in there, but yeah. yeah. But we can't saying. afford to live without him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing. Hey, Mark Johnson's here. He is the, of course, Pulaski County Republican chairman. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Dave. We're glad to have great you here. To be here. It's great to be here. I haven't seen Carl in, years. gosh, probably 20 years. Really? Yeah, wow. but back at, you know, Brand X, uh, he was, uh, got to know him in those days. And, uh, uh, and and driving over here, heard his melodious tones on the air and kind of got me excited. It's great to see you. I like having clear thinkers on my show. Carl fits that category. So does R.D. and Paul does as well. Elizabeth does. Val does. I think all the people that I bring on can uh, coherently put together a few sentences, you know, and make sense with Thanks, people. Dave. It's a low, it's a low bar we have to pass today. <laughs> well, you're about to go into political season, so that might, yeah, you I might have kind to of throw that, that over. Yeah, you start having on. candidates on here. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I did not mention something. If you live in District 29, State Senate District 29, election is today. You need to get out. It's uh Hill or Coy. Those right. are the two names that are on the ballot. So vote uh, vote your conscience and uh, and cast your vote. 
And then uh, if you head down to Russellville, uh, that's uh, District uh, 16, if I'm not mistaken. And there's three people on the ballot there. Bailey is one, and I forget what the other two. I think the other two are women, if I'm not mistaken, that are running. There's one man and one woman. Okay. And I'm sorry, Dave, I don't remember their names either. Yeah, Bailey, but that Bailey, is 16. Okay, so you got that. Uh, and a lot of people are talking about, you know, the whole thing dealing with, and we talked about this yesterday, uh, the governor's budget and, uh, you know, the, the whole thing about Medicaid expansion. And there's our, you know, conservative uh, state senators are saying, well, right now we might be able to hold up the governor's uh, budget or hold up Medicaid expansion, but would it be worth it to make to force a, a special election and have to spend the money that would have to be paid to do a special election. I mean, I understand that thought process, you know? Yeah. But whenever you have the thought process that you ran on a platform or smaller government and, and more freedom and, and less federal overreach, I think I would stand on the principles that I ran on instead of worrying about uh, upsetting the other side. I'd worry about upsetting the people that put me in office. Well, just, uh, well here's the problem though. You can get hit from the other, the side that you support. If, it comes down and suddenly they find out that they you know, that, uh, the government is state government's paying X amount of dollars for a, for a special election. A lot of times they're not happy with that, you know? So it's just, you, you got to do what you got to do. You know, the, you know, my answer to them had two senators call me and bring this up to me. And Dave, what do you think? I said, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But Dave, there is a little tidbit in state law that requires the governor to call a special election within 150 days of the vacancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though technically, you know, you it's a possibility there will not be a session after uh, all of these gentlemen are uh, certified, shall we say. They're elected and they're certified in the position. Uh, part of the, uh, the law does say that 150 days, and then you get into the, the criteria where, uh, the law requires the state board of election commissioner to turn to both parties and say, well, do you want to have a convention or do you want to have a primary? If one of them says primary, then they both have to have a primary. So that adds to the timetable. And one question I didn't get answered before I came on the air. I, I was asking it the other day and I forgot to follow up on it. We have a new law that takes effect in 2018 and that's about runoffs in a primary. I can remember when the runoff was two weeks after the first primary. Okay. And then it went to three weeks. Starting this year, it's four weeks after the primary. So I don't know if that applies to these special elections or not. But uh, So you're saying that in 16, where there's three people running, the two with the, the most votes, unless somebody gets more than 50% of the vote, will have to run off against each other. That's exactly right. And, and, and we've had that, of course, forever. But originally, years ago, it was two weeks. A few years ago, they went to three weeks, and now they've pushed it to four weeks. And as you know, we have almost two weeks of early voting now. Yeah. So you couldn't have it a two-week runoff because you wouldn't even know who the people running is in time to have uh, the early voting. So the whole thing has become, in my opinion, a mess. I think that we need to start looking at if you're going to have early voting, maybe one week. I'm with max. you on that. I've I, always been with you on that. I, I, I think I would personally like to get rid of early voting altogether. And just, I, I'm and with just, Paul. And just that. make it a one-day thing. Because for one thing, stuff comes out about candidates within a few days of the election exactly. sometimes. And so if you've already voted two weeks before the election and it turns out the guy you voted for is a child molester, 
and and, and you <laughs> so, ended up yeah. voted voting That's for right. some some creep, and you exactly can't change right, it, Paul. And, and I think the compromise might be taking it to one week. Now we do have, uh, and, and I I would even favor as a, a way to simplify things and to maybe save the state some money. Maybe having what I would call no fault uh, absentee is that originally you're supposed to sign an affidavit that says I will be away from my voting precinct mm-hmm. and can't vote in person. Well, if you just said you can sign this and within so many days of the election and get an absentee ballot, then it would be the same thing as early voting, but would not require having to pay these election officials and maintain all these polling places at great expense all across. Do you think it would also reduce fraud? I think if you shrink the window of that time period, you reduce fraud. Carl and I, that alone would make it worth it. And, 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 and of course, of course, we don't have vote fraud in Arkansas. <laughs> I posted something where I know we're on Facebook Live, but I posted something the other day. It was a picture of a widow going to the cemetery, speaking to her husband, telling him he would get to keep voting. We're, <laughs> we're striking down. We've got a lawsuit to strike down Arkansas's voter ID. That's right. Uh, well, Absolutely. Well, you know, go hold on, hold on. Okay. Uh, I was just going to say. Last year, we got very close to getting a very good special election bill passed. And one person got up. We had the votes to get it passed, and one person got up. Most of the special elections money is spent in Arkansas is when counties and cities and schools want to raise their millage and raise their taxes. That's where we waste most of our money in Arkansas. And they'll call one of them. It's 74% chance that if you run a special election for a tax, that that tax will get passed in a special election. And they don't care if it costs twenty or $30,000 in the district. But then you get people passing taxes on 95% of the people in their districts with less than 5% of the people voting. We almost got that That's stopped. Wrong. We almost got that stopped in the state of Arkansas. But there was a phone call made, and we the, the bill passed. And whenever they went to, to count the votes, they asked for a vote. Did that? Did that? Call. Did that phone call come from the Hot Springs area? Uh, I, I, do, not, I don't know. I think that, I think I it heard. came from the capital area myself. No, I think I'm, no, it came it came from the uh, the Hot Springs area. If I'm not so, mistaken, I think there was a female in the Hot Springs area that made that phone call. But I don't know who made the phone call. But I know that the bill passed. They were counting the votes. And someone they sounded that the voted for, they sounded the ballot, got up and walked out. So that changed that changed it to yeah, 50, um, and it did not pass. So we got that close of saving money. Uh, if something is on the ballot that makes less government and takes the government out of our lives, releases them from our health care system, I'll pay the money for the election. But... <laughs> What we're going to get anything on a special ballot is going to be something where they can turn out the people that it benefits while everybody else is at work. Okay, now I'm going to change the subject here, Paul, so I'm okay. sorry if you That's had something okay. important to say. I want to come over to Mark and talk about this. Our quorum courts many times are much more conservative than what our city governments are. Why is it that we are a very now pretty red state but yet when you look at Little Rock, you look at Conway, you look at Fayetteville, you look at Fort Smith, you look at these cities, and they all are bastions of blueness. You know, here in Pulaski County, Little Rock has been blue since I got here. 
and long before the eighties. Yeah, and and it's like you can't since the Whigs were out of power. Yeah, you can't <laughs> you you can't get you can't get the Democrats out of the the urban areas, and until we get them out and get some kind of conservatives in i'm not going to say we're going to get all conservatives in because i've been taught a, a valid lesson about that on a statewide basis be but, nice to be represented though yeah yeah but it, it would be nice well, Dave, to have some republicans that's an interesting point and and we have had some republicans in little rock uh, michael keck uh who was a city board member and certainly will tell you he's a republican uh but it's interesting i'm going to leave little rock set it aside for a moment okay. come back to it uh Conway is my hometown. That's where I grew up. Uh, I mean, bo- why do they keep? Well, I Tab Tonsil stayed as mayor there for so long because of all the colleges that are there. I just, I honestly believe that. Well, he didn't start out as far to the left as he ended up. Uh, Tab's a nice guy. His dad was my former landlord when I had an office downtown. Uh, he went to high school with my brothers, uh, uh, but he didn't start out on the side of the spectrum that he ended up. And let's face it, in many cases, uh, municipal government's not really a, a, a partisan or even a, you know, get the police out at the street, make sure things, the, the services are funded. Uh, Dave, I think a lot of our problems go back to these local sales taxes. And when, when I was director of community development in North Little Rock, North Little Rock was in real trouble. And they even had to, they couldn't pay their share to, what then was called Central Arkansas Transit. Mm-hmm. Of course, now three hundred and something thousand dollars later, they're you know Rock Region Metro, but yep. uh, still with no riders. Right, but the thing was that uh, they couldn't even pay their share of the transit system. And uh, when uh, Governor White was in office, you know, they're begging for money. He said, "Well, look what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a local option. You can have an election and pass a sales tax to do this." Well. I thought it was a good idea at the time, but like a lot of good ideas, they get taken to extremes. And now, and I, I did this, I was in New York City, I took a picture of my receipt in a restaurant, and the whole, the tax in New York City was like 8%. In Little Rock, it's 11%. Mm-hmm. 11%. And that's if... Just you know, take a picture if you get mixed drinks. Oh, well, exactly. But the point is that... We, we can't have tax reform until we get a handle on these local option sales taxes. Well, you know, the, the, the municipalities, you know, they should be serving the people. It's not about bike trails and parks and, and things. But here, look at our problems in Little Rock not even having enough police officers. And they're spending money on, on bridges. And, and there's got to have to be some constraints put on the growth of what I call frivolous spending at the local level. And that's where... Uh, it's come from is they've got the money they're spending it yeah and they're spending it they say they're taxing for one thing and spending on another i remember when stewart was police chief and they passed that tax to build a new police station to hire more officers guess what they didn't hire more officers that's right where did they spend the money at nobody's asking that question all the tv stations around here the little lap dogs that run around they're not asking the important questions. Now, to come back to your Little Rock thing, I said I was going to sit aside and come back. Take a look at the age of the average age of the Little Rock City Board. They've been there a long time. They're older than me. Yeah, they, they, they are older than you, Carl. <laughs> and you they've not, been around just about as long. Right. And, I'm not, and they're nice people. I'm not saying that you elderly people can't be great public servants, but uh, <laughs> you have to have some new blood sometimes. And, and, 
let's let's there's the elephant in the room and i shouldn't use that since i'm a republican chair the, <laughs> the thing people don't talk about is you can have a mayor's election a city board election and bruce moore's still city manager yep i don't think it is appropriate this is just me talking not this is not a republican position but a city manager form of government is great for a small town that can't afford to have a full-time administrator you can bring in a professional and let the bo- their city board set policy, and then this person carries it out. But to have a full time mayor and a full time uh, city manager is absurd. And I don't and think either one gonna... of them worth shooting. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to solve Little Rock's problems until we go back to a normal mayor council form of government and and have some political uh, uh, backbone to actually clean some house. All right, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. It's uh, twenty two after three. If you're listening on the radio, know that. You can also uh, get the app for 96.5 FM, uh, The Answer, at your app store. Or you can uh, get on to Facebook and go to facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show, and you'll find us right there. We'll see you in a few minutes. We'll be back in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Carl's here, RD is here, and uh, Paul is here. You guys raise your hand so everybody can see. All right, okay. That's me. The odd man out. That's Mark Johnson, all right? <laughs> he, he is uh, the uh, chairman of the Pulaski County Republican Party. We're glad to have him here with us today. So, you know, to get people in mayoral positions and city council positions, you got to have people to run for those positions. How are we standing, you know, for, let's say, 2018 for people who want to run for those positions? Well, in, in Little Rock... Uh, and each city gets to opt in or out of this, Dave. You can run as a partisan uh, city board or as by party. And, and Little Rock for years has operated as a nonpartisan city board. And I don't think anyone would argue that, that most of them are Democrats. We certainly had some Republicans. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think Mayor Stodola was once the national uh, president of Young Democrats, so I guess that qualifies him as a Democrat. No, I think so. It might be a hint but, anyway. Uh, huh? uh, and I don't think he would argue with me on reason. that. But uh, <laughs> uh, right now, we're we're really focused at the county level where we do run for partisan elections. Matter of fact, we're I'm, I, I wanted to come on your show mainly to, to tell everyone if they're interested in uh, uh, a county office. And some of these, remember, we're going to four year terms. Uh, county county judge. Uh, uh, pays $103,000 a year. And so really? does, uh, yeah, so does sheriff. Hmm. And these are now going to be four-year terms. Hmm. Uh, we have a Republican candidate that's about to announce for county clerk, and he told me it was okay to use his name. Okay. His name is Steve Walden, and he is looking at running for Pulaski County Clerk, said he's going to run. Uh, the current county clerk, Larry Crane, is, uh, said he would not run for re-election. His son, who is now the head of the film office uh, for the state has said he would run for it i don't know if they'll have a democratic primary or not but uh uh maybe a little nepotism going on there but uh more dynastic politics but that (laughs) that position pays ninety thousand seven hundred eighty four dollars a year ninety grand wow yeah so did i get your attention so so, so you it's almost a half million dollar gig it these. certainly is a four years for four years. I mean, yes. it's nearly half a million dollars. Your math is good, positions. Paul. You you saw that instantly. He was homeschooled. 
and he's a businessman. And, and can we figure out is there is there some per diem we can collect in, in addition to this? Too? I'm sure there's there's all we kinds can actually of bump it up. You probably get a, one of those beautiful white county vehicles. Can, too. can we so can we bump it on up? To, so we actually get the full half million. You have to take if you get eight JPs to vote for your your expense appropriation. Okay. You can do that. And let me mention, uh, we expect all of our five Republican JPs to run for election. Uh, I have uh, two I'm talking to. Uh, uh, one lady that ran in, in 2016 is looking at running again for the same position. Uh, had a young man that called me yesterday and said he was going to run for a position uh, that has an incumbent Democrat. Uh, a district that some people might think is is quite blue, but I think it might be a little more purple. And uh, But a, a real go-getter young man that's looking at running. Uh, Dave, if we have seven of the 15 JPs, the Republicans, we don't have a majority, but the Democrats cannot pass a county budget without Republicans going along with it. And, and what that means is that's the first step toward getting some fiscal responsibility uh, in Pulaski County in this this crazy, you know, gosh, look how much, how much money do we have to blow yeah, on bridges the, and at, whatever. At least you could pull the bit a little bit in on, yes, on the horse. So what's, okay. what's the chance of getting, getting some Republicans or some, some people that are not socialists in some of these city boards, okay. city councils? Hold on. We'll answer that question okay. when we come back. Fox News is coming up when we come back. The power panel continues with Carl R.D. and Paul. Back with you here on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. Of course, you're listening on the radio, 96.5 FM, The Answer. Get our app at your app store on your smartphone, and you can listen on their smartphone, run it through your radio system there in your car. You can, you Seriously, you can have a great coverage of uh, the 96.5 FM signal at any time just by doing that. Listen in, not lose us, be, be in New Mexico. And listen to us. And what a great station. It's a great way to do it. Absolutely. It works out just fine. So we got Mark Johnson here. I, I meant to mention him before we went to the break, and I ran out of time because Fox was coming up, whether I liked it or not. So Mark Johnson's here. He is the chairman of the Republican uh, uh, committee here in uh, in Pulaski County, Pulaski County Republican chairman. Get that correct. And, uh, Mark, I asked you the question, how do we find more people to run for these offices, do we have a Republican that's going to run uh, for mayor in uh, Little Rock? I have talked to one particular person and encouraged him. Uh, he is a Republican. Whether he will do it or not, I don't know. And Dave, I want everybody to remember, even though uh, uh, Representative Sabin and uh, uh, Frank Scott Jr. jumped in here, and I won't even get into the vagaries of this lawsuit that the city is involved with uh that the city attorney tom carpenter filed but uh the normal order of things is you file i believe in august for city board and mayor in little rock and the election is in november so they want it to be a relatively short window which i like because it means that normal people can run for office and not have to spend over a year of their their life that right where you know those people that actually work for a living can't do that uh but that's going to be judge is going to give a the, the lawsuit seeks a declaratory judgment which unlike an attorney general's opinion has the force of law uh i feel like the they asked the ethics commission to deal with it the ethics commission in my opinion just kind of punted because ultimately it's probably going to go before a judge anyway but but the fact is that hold on folks 
a conservative could still file as late as uh, August. August. Okay. And I don't know the exact date, knowledge, but give folks a choice in the mayor's race. Interesting other thing, too, Dave. Uh, and a few years ago, the legislature changed. Little Rock's always been able to go to the legislature and get special things just the way they want them. Of mm-hmm. course, local legislation is supposed to be unconstitutional, but I won't go down that road. <laughs> but here's the change they asked for and got, and this might actually work in favor of our side for a change. Uh, if Let's say a conservative should step forward and run for mayor. Uh, unlike in our primary where uh, the winner has to have 50% plus one vote, uh, to avoid a runoff in the mayor's race this fall, the anyone that gets 40% plus one vote is elected. Now, to flip that around inside out, that means if all the liberal candidates got 59% of the vote, they'd lose. So it's just it's just a little Usually different. We have court. one conservative. That's right, but uh, exactly right. But so far, we we don't really have a conservative out there. Uh, I, relatively, you know, so, you know. Well, this was a little more business oriented, and this was. But the fact is, there's no real conservative. They're all three Democrats. Yeah. So explain why you think that is. Why is it? Is it that people perceive that uh, here in Little Rock, except maybe for the West Side? It's decidedly dark, dark blue, and they don't think that they have that much of a chance? I don't think you can argue the fact that Pulaski County, taken as a whole, is is blue. Uh, you go out for Hillary. You, but you go out to Maumelle, it's very red. You mm-hmm. go into the northern parts of the county, it's very red. You go out into my area, uh, Ferndale, West Pulaski County, it's very red. Uh, Democrats aren't going to win out there, but when you take the—, the, the central city and parts of north little rock uh, as a whole then uh, yeah we as, as carl said the, the county did go for hillary uh and that's certainly a factor it's a factor in the uh, so, uh the congressional race uh, with congressman hill now what were that, the percentages i i don't remember exactly it was it was not as bad as i hoped paul <laughs> not, not as bad as you thought it might be but so so, so what you're saying is there, there might actually be a chance that if there's several Democrats running, that a Republican might actually cross the 40% exactly. threshold and maybe win win that way. Exactly. And remember that we're, we're coming up on a census. I think we're going to show population losses in the bluer areas of the county and population gains in the red areas of the county. And I, that doesn't mean we're suddenly going to be, you know, Benton County. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the, the percentages... And, and the districts, once they're drawn, will be more favorable maybe to elect a quorum court. A lot of people don't realize this. You know where the the uh, uh, Home Depot is out here on West Markham? Yes. That's in John Walker's district. It really it is? It really is. And and that's the kind of uh, gerrymandering. My professor at Hendricks said you have to use the word gerrymandering. Okay. Not not Gary, Gary. Elbridge Gary. Carl. I knew Carl oh. would jump in there on that. Uh that was an example of we're going to go up there. Uh, Linda Chesterfield's Senate district takes in part of Maumelle. Uh, it takes in part of Jacksonville. Of course, it goes to the south side of Little Rock. Uh, and starting next time, Republicans are going to draw those districts. So it gets interesting then. It, it probably will end up in court, but it is going to get very interesting. It should level the playing field. So that's, okay. actually, that's actually on the agenda of the Supreme Court in the U.S., isn't it? 
It, it is, is indeed, Paul. Yes. That's probably a whole other show right but there. The, yeah, well, that, we can talk that, about that. That should be interesting. But, Mark, doesn't it say something about the effectiveness of Democratic governance that people are fleeing the Democrat-run areas to go to places where their baleful influence is less on our personal lives? It's absolutely true. Absolutely well, true. Well, I think by and large you see that the, the, the left-wing ideology is, is centered in the cities for the most part. But where's, right. and, and where is most of the crime? It's also in the cities. Whereas out in the country, generally you'd think it'd be a lot easier to get away with crime because there's not a lot of people watching you because, you know, where I live, it's probably 150 or 200 yards to the closest house. Yeah, but those folks have guns. Yeah, right. we do and have they guns. shoot pretty and, doggone clear. And, and, and so that's, that's, that's part of the difference, though. But, but the thing is, it would, it would be easy enough to to come while we're at church or something like that and of course neighbors watch too and so they'll and they're they'll, they'll probably shoot you if you um um start stealing from us perhaps but why is it that the um that the cities are so much more violent and so much more crime-ridden with these democrat type policies historical it is decades of failed his, socialist policies i can't improve on what Carl. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> true i mean I, but but that, back on this, no this gary manner it's it i was amused david in the after the, the 2010 census and you know mike bb and dustin mcdaniel uh redrew the the district yeah I remember how and much I, mark martin got to do on and, that? and i i laughed i still <laughs> think of uh one of the things they did they they took jason rapert and he had he was in he lives in Bigelow or right near. I Bigelow. remember this. And he had the district that went up to Heber Springs and mm-hmm. Clinton. It came back wrapped around. It was this big rural district had Conway County, and instead they took his little area of Perry County and threw it in with the city of Conway that had been Gilbert Baker's district, thinking that Linda Tyler would just stomp him. And of course he stomped her. Or as I called her, the evil witch of the west. Yeah. <laughs> but the, my favorite uh, my favorite one of these though was. Uh, uh, 10 years before that, I think it was 10 years before that, they uh, uh, they drew a district for uh, uh, Representative Brenda Gullett in, uh, or no, Senator Brenda Gullett in mm-hmm. Pine Bluff. And they thought, well, we'll just, I think the mayor of Pine Bluff, Jerry Taylor, is going to run against me. So carve me into a district that just got me and him and then take out the rest of Pine Bluff. And they went down into Cleveland County and, and Bradley County and all this. And the district had like a tongue that stuck in well, the Well, that's right. But right now here's what's funny about it, Carl. Uh, I happened to be up with my dad when this happened, and he, he was on the phone with someone. He got off the phone. He was laughing. I said, what's so funny? He said, well, that's the mayor of Pine Bluff. He was telling me about the district they drew. He <laughs> says, and I'll quote this, apologies to Senator Gallup. My dad said, you know, he's going to run against that silly little woman that's the senator down there. And uh, she didn't realize that after she got her district drawn like she wanted that Jerry's family was from Cleveland County and his wife's family was from Bradley County. And I think he got 70% of the vote. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you got to right. be careful what you ask for in some of these. You just might these, get it, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. And got it. Okay, yeah. we're going to take a break. When we come back and we're going to talk further with Mark, I want to ask about uh, District 2 and the race that's coming up uh, to uh, reelect our, uh, our state uh, congressman in uh, French Hill. You know, the Democrats are pretty energized right now. What's that? How's that going to play out coming up uh, in November? We'll talk about it as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, The Answer. Back with you, Mark Johnson, our special guest, along with the power panel today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up at 5 o'clock, the Bible guys will be in. Coming up at 4 o'clock, right after the news top of the hour, Howard Kurtz is going to be with us. 
He's got a new book out called Media Madness, and we're going to get to talk to him about how how the media has not been fair to the president, and he'll be very outspoken about that. I, Artie, I'm going to ask you to ask a question of him. You ask him which correspondents hate Donald Trump. He'll name names. Okay. Be easier to ask which ones don't. Don't, yeah. But <laughs> ask him which ones really hate the president. Even Jimmy Carter said that. Yeah. Yeah. Is they that hate right? Yeah, that they hate Donald mm. Trump. They're out to bring him down. Well, there's no news on, the, on when I go through the airport. It's the only time I see CNN is when I'm going through an airport. But there's no news on CNN. All it is is the haters club and uh, Dude, just they, talking about They went from being the Clinton done. News Network to being what I've always called them, the Communist News Network. Uh, Dave, I'm, I make a practice, just oppo research, just like I listen to NPR. Yeah. I flip around in the morning between Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. You watch I'm, Joe? Until, huh? I'm about to, I, until I'm about to gag, which usually takes somewhere between three and five minutes and okay. I switch something else. But, but, you know, just like today was an example. We have the biggest constitutional crisis of the last 45 years mm-hmm. going on in our country right now. And do you, what do you think? You flip over to CNN, to MSNBC, the, only, the only thing they talked about today Porter. was some low-level guy that was found beating his wife and got kicked out yeah, of his Porter. job, and he's gone. Yeah. He no longer has any effect That's on right. anybody. But they talked about him all day long because they don't want to pay the least bit of attention to the, to real the fact problem. that the FBI was used to excuse criminal wrongdoing by Democrats mm-hmm. and accuse Republicans of things they didn't do and make federal cases out of but it. But is that, is, that, is that new news? No. It still is. <laughs> no. You know, but it, it shows how incredibly shallow – the people on those okay. networks. I'm eight, I'm eight minutes out before Fox. I want to get with Mark here. District 2, the strong Democrat part of that district, of course, is in Little Rock. Right. Uh, French Hill is seeking re-election. Looks like that he's done well in, uh, in raising money. Uh, the Democrats are supposedly all energized, although now that the tax cut has passed, now that the president gave his State of the Union address, uh, address, that generic poll between Democrats and Republicans has closed significantly to one point, uh, kind of leaning towards uh, the Democrats. I think it will close to where it leans now Republican across the country. What, how are you seeing the, the, the second district? Dave, I don't, everything changed when Clark Tucker announced he was going to run. The other Democrat candidates are uh fringe candidates okay. in my opinion i don't think they're frankly i don't think they're serious candidates and they know that but you know a lot of people in that genre they they're trying to make a a statement and that's okay it's, you pay your filing fee you get on the ballot uh representative tucker is a a bright young attractive candidate uh his uh, father-in-law is the football coach at central high school uh he's a former uh central high class president he went to harvard uh, he punches all the right buttons from that side of things, and 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 Clark's a genuinely nice young man. I'll say hey, we've that. Had him, we've had him on the radio here. Yeah, but let's 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 also go back to the fact that okay, why is he running? Well, ultimately, it's a simple thing. He's Pelosi's pick. That's right. And and people have to realize this. There are offices where if you vote for someone by party, it's really not a big deal. They can be conservative Democrats, they can be liberal Republicans, but when you're talking about U.S. Congress. You're voting for the next Speaker of the House. You're mm-hmm. voting for what legislation. And if, if Nancy Pelosi had been Speaker, that tax cut would have never seen the light of day. 
and it, people have to understand that. Now, in the other uh, six counties, I don't think that French has a problem. Pulaski County, people are going to have to work hard and turn out and make sure that uh, uh, we reelect Congressman Hill. All right. So, uh, is there enough votes in Pulaski County that if Hill just swamps them in every place else that he ends up going back to Washington, D.C.? I mean, that's kind of what Tim Griffin did, wasn't it? That's the formula. Uh, the Obviously, they think with someone like uh, Clark Tucker, uh, they can get enough more enough bigger margin in Pulaski County. Uh, actually, French did pretty well considering yes, the presidential did. election year and Hillary Clinton was on the ballot. Mm-hmm. He did pretty well in Pulaski County. Didn't carry it, uh, but uh, he held his own. He's also well thought of. He's of the Little Rock business community and respected by leaders, even some of those that are Democrats within uh, Pulaski County. So uh, that's what makes politics interesting. Now, do you think that uh, that like some of the other areas in the country, that here in central Arkansas, the Democrats are that energized? I think it's uh, whistling past the graveyard. Uh, in Arkansas, they are so much in trouble. They've lost. I mean, the state representative from St. Francis County is a Republican. Uh, I, the You look at these East Arkansas Republicans that are elected. I mean, start with, with Congressman Crawford. I th- we never, never thought we'd see that. But rural Arkansas are Republicans now, and the Democrats are kidding themselves if they don't think that's not just a trend – they think they'll stay about where they are. I think we're going to see even more uh, red counties that used to be just totally uh, dominated well, by Democrats. Well, in the state house, we got what twenty five Democrats now. Twenty four Democrats 24. in the house. Okay, twenty four. You know when actually I, when I got right. here right. when I got here and went on the air, we had four Republicans in the house. In the house, yeah. Think about that. And that was the, the Shiite Republicans at that time. <laughs> Dave, I remember in 1973, I was the reading clerk at the Arkansas Senate, and you had one Republican, a gentleman named Jim Caldwell from Rogers, and you had Preston Bynum from Salem Springs, who was the only member of the house, and they would come over, get stand in the back of the room and visit, and someone said, well, what is that? I said, that's the Republican caucus for the legislature. <laughs> Those two guys. And now... We have the beautiful new Rockefeller Republican Center down mm-hmm. here on 6th Street, 1201 West 6th. We built because the House Caucus didn't have a big enough room to meet in. That's great, isn't it? That's quite a change. Yeah. That's, that's really well, great. It, it didn't, didn't a lot of this kind of come about because the Democrat Party on the national level has just become mind-numbingly stupid? Well, no, and, mind-numbingly and there was this long-time thing. Long time thing of oh well, we're not national Democrats we're Arkansas yeah, Democrats yeah, yeah. and finally people wised up and saw that that's not the case and it's not true with with the uh, Chairman Michael John Gray and it's not true with Representative Clark Tucker they're national Democrats yes, they and are. they should go ahead and own up to it when you run for a national that. office you're part of the national party that you're running for I mean that's just bottom line the party that wanted to get God out of the platform that believes in abortion on demand whenever you want to have it, you know, that believes that same-sex marriage is no problem, they believe all that. Exactly. That's just the bottom line. I used to tell my Yankee in-laws that a Republican from New England was well to the left of a Democrat from Arkansas. <laughs> Don't know if that's so true anymore. 
I'm just hoping that our Arkansas Republicans stay on the right side of the path. And, and that, that is a problem, I think, in Arkansas. I think that that will not change for at least four more years. Four more years. One of the fun things I've been doing, Dave, and this is part of being the president of the Republican County Chairs Association, is that I've been going to different counties and talking to their local officials, nominally Democrats, and talking to them about switching. And I even had one that even made it very clear he'd wait till the very last day because he wanted to see if they'd try to run someone against him. And if they tried to run somebody against him in the primary, he'd switch. Now, he'd make it clear to you philosophically he's a Republican. But you have to see the. it doesn't matter what happens in Saline County, which is totally red now. They have to see it break in their own county. And once they do, it'll be like a dam breaking. I'm excited. I want to see a dam breaking and see them cut some of these federal programs and some of the federal funding in the state of Arkansas and see them shrink the budget. Won't happen for four years. I'm just telling you. Won't happen for four years. Well, uh, There's somebody coming after the next four years that I think has a real penchant of wanting to cut government. I really believe that. Well, I hope you're right, I tell you. I think if they were very ambitious, they'd go ahead and step up to the plate and do it right. I tell you what, I think if they were very ambitious, instead of going with the establishment and waiting their turn in line, they would step up. But I hope you're right. My, you guys, I got to bring you back in. I got, I got to get you to come back in, uh, Mark, because sure, big question that I asked several legislators in the general session was, would it have been easier to get the Republican ideology through? stronger if we'd had a democrat governor i think maybe yes i've heard that point and (laughs) and certainly uh a lot of people will vote for things knowing they won't happen but now they know they'll happen and there may be their little reticent or there's other influences like their school board and mayor's chickens all right got to get a break in thank you mark appreciate you brother we're back with uh Howard Kurtz in just a moment. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year. And we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right. Back with you. Dave Ellswick Show. My thanks to um, Mark Johnson, the uh, Republican, Pulaski Republican chairman, for coming in here, the Pulaski County Republican chairman. I'll get it right. Got to say it right. You can't say it wrong. Got to say it right and say thanks uh, to him for coming by and, and talking with us about that. So good to talk, uh, talk to him. Some of the things that he shared with us today were, I think some important stuff for you to hear. And if you're in Pulaski County, you'd like to run for office. You need to get a hold of him. 
he'll he'll walk you through it. He'll tell you, you know, it's not easy to do as far as running a campaign, but I'm sure Mark will give you the benefit of a lot of his experience to make to make it happen. Well, yeah, and, and one of the issues I think with these city governments, especially, is that there just aren't people running that aren't socialist. I think for the most part, the only options you have to vote in these city elections are there. It's socialist. I mean, and so it's, it's kind of a shame because we've got so many government positions available. There aren't enough good people actually running. Well, it has to be somebody that that is doing it for the right reasons to say, you know what? Our police officers need an advocate. You know, our firefighters need an advocate. We need a call center in our county. It needs to be someone that's doing it for the right reasons to take care of somebody that does not have representation. And those people are out there and. There's people in need that needs a voice, so I, I maybe want, people will step up. I want people to run that have an that are advocates for individualism, for individual liberties. I, I I want people to run that will advocate for property rights in cities. I, I'm a landlord. That's that's most of what I do for a living, and it's illegal for me to use my property without getting permits from from the city government for so many stupid things. It's it's my property. Why do I need to get permission from the government? the city government to use my property in an honorable manner uh you know you guys both make really excellent points but i think part of the problem is the person that believes that governments should solve all of our problems and that's got this do good or go out and save the world thing they have a reason to go out and and they want to go out they're basically busybodies at heart and they want to go out and shove their governmental nose into our our lives right. but the problem is most people that agree with us they just want to be left right. alone and, and so I, they can earn an honest living and not be bothered. And that's part of the big problem, I think, is that so many of us who who, who don't want an intrusive government, we also don't want to be a busybody, like you said, mm-hmm. and and um, and bother our neighbors. And so that's that's kind of an inherent problem with those of us who want liberty and justice. We don't want to harass our neighbors, and so we're not actually all that inclined to run for these government positions, whereas those who actually want to rule their neighbors' lives— It's a permanently it, built-in problem of it, conservatism. It, it is kind of a problem there because, un- unfortunately, those who want to rule their neighbors' lives also have a drive to run for office. Mm-hmm. You got that right. I want to get in everybody's life. <laughs> <laughs> but, Dave, I just want a good yeah. leaving alone. I, I would yeah. like—that would be the case. You know what? If I could run for office— if I did, I can just say this. Every time I cast a vote, it would be for liberty. That's what I would vote for, freedom. I mean, it, I think people you'd be voting take, by yourself Yeah, a lot. probably would be, and Carl would agree with me. And if Carl ran, he'd be the same way. You would too, RD, and so would Paul. Bottom line, that we would try as hard as we could to uh, stay out of other people's lives and let them make their own decisions about what they want to do in their lives. Because, right, I mean— my philosophy is, you know, if someone's not violating the rights of someone else, leave them alone. Yeah, they might be sending that might send them to hell, but that is not the government's job to keep you out of hell. It's the, the, Amen, government, brother. the government's job is to keep you from violating someone else's rights. But if someone's going to send themselves to hell, as far as the government's concerned, it's another business as far as I'm concerned. Amen. All right. I'm waiting for an answer back. I just talked to the person who set up the interview with Howie. Howard, pardon me, Howard Church, <laughs> and uh, he will. They're trying to find out why he's not calling right now. They're a little bit irritated with it, just so you know. So they're trying to get a hold of him. Uh, Life's full of these little irritations. Yes, they today. are. And but you know, I've got uh, I got a bunch of really great 
guests on with me today and there ain't no problem with us carrying through with well, maybe while we're waiting on him we can talk more about elbridge gary fourth vice president <laughs> of the united <laughs> states i think we'll pass on that <laughs> what I, I think here's what i think we can play right now i want to play cut number nine this is the president talking about the infrastructure uh part of the budget that uh, he sent over to the congress we're here today to discuss the critical need to rebuild america's crumbling infrastructure and one understands, and the people in this room really understand better than most, probably, hopefully better than anybody, that the problem that the states have and local leaders have with funding the infrastructure is horrendous. And uh, we will build, we will maintain, and the vast majority of Americans want to see us take care of our infrastructure. Uh, trucking companies are complaining that they used to take trucks from Los Angeles to New York, and there was no damage. Now they bring from Los Angeles to New York, and there's tremendous damage to their trucks because our roads are in bad shape, and we're going to get the roads in great shape. And very important, we're going to make our infrastructure um, modernized, and uh, we're really way behind schedule. We're way behind other countries. We always led the way for many, many years. Then, a number of decades ago, it slowed down, and over the last eight years, and 15 years, to be honest, it's uh, come to a halt. This morning, I submitted legislative principles to Congress that will spur the biggest and boldest infrastructure investment in American history. The framework will generate an unprecedented $1.5 to $1.7 trillion investment in American infrastructure. We're going to have a lot of public-private, and that way it gets done on time, on budget. It will speed the permit approval process from 10 years to two years and maybe even to one year. Because when we give you as governors and mayors and people representing your great states, so we give you money and you can't get your approvals, I guess we're going to have to take that money back or you're not going to build. And some of you are sitting around the table that I know, some of the governors, you're going to get those permits, I have no doubt. Others, I see a couple sitting around the table. I don't think they're going to get that permit so fast. <laughs> But you're going to have to get it, otherwise you're not going to be able to build. Because we can't give you money and you're going to take 15 years to get a permit. In one state, it took 17 years for a basic roadway to get a permit. And the cost was many, many, many times what it was supposed to be. And we can't have that. All right. So, you know, that's the key is this permitting process and everything. And I heard you say this is ridiculous when you said 17 years. But there's a lot. There's Look, there's been projects where they've gone 10, 12 years on the permitting, have spent hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, and then be told no. Look what's happened on the big dig in Boston. That's gone on for decades and had... Uh, how, what are the cost overruns on that? Into the billions now? What's interesting, though, what seems like he's suggesting is that that um, he's going to put some incentive for these incentives for these states and cities and, and, and local governments to streamline their permitting process because they're not going to get the money if they don't. And so that's that sounds like a, a you got these left wing um, nut jobs that are making um, regulations that make it impossible to, to do decent reasonable things. And if you tell them, you know, we're not you're not going to get any money if you don't actually straighten up on some of this stuff. Maybe they'll learn to straighten up because you know, sometimes money talks. Yeah, the the power of the federal purse is enormous, and we hadn't had anybody up there since Reagan that tried to do anything to seriously hold on to the strings and keep them from going completely out of hand. But if Trump starts using 
withholding federal dollars from folks that are actually working against the country's interests. That'll go a long ways towards changing some people's minds. Yeah, but what, what, excuse me, but yeah, what I'm hearing is not holding any strings. As far as holding any strings back, what I want, what I want to know is how are we going to invest the money and what is going to be the return on the investment? Have we forgot that we have a national debt? Do we remember Obama's stimulus package? Now I hope that he can do this more efficiently with more private funds and get a better investment for the taxpayers, the federal government than Barack Obama is. But if he says it's going to be the biggest building, we don't want to have the biggest program as far as spending goes. You can measure a program by what the benefits are or how much money it spends. He said this is going to be the biggest uh, investment in American infrastructure, infrastructure since the history of the nation. Well, I'm sorry. Barack Obama spent like $3.2 trillion, trillion dollars. Don't try to outspend Barack Obama, please. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's let's well, not do no, that. I don't think he's trying to do that because, like I said, he says one and a half to 1.7, but he throws in private, <clears throat> public, so, and then he throws in the, his tax from the federal government. And uh, from what I understand, that's $300 billion. The rest of this is going to be generated through ancillary ways, I guess is the right word. Well, and and right. There, there are some options, I think, that – where private industries might actually tip some in. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how that works. I think I was talking to Christian Olson about this a while back when he was, um, he was, he was knowledgeable about some of who the stuff. used to be on the power panel here and, on the day. And, and he, and he was, he was knowledgeable about some of the stuff that goes on, on the rivers. And I think some of the, the river barge traffic were actually willing to help dredge the river out to make it better for themselves. And I think, so there could be some partnerships there where the private industry by themselves or, or maybe with some, some federal money would, would clean up the rivers uh, as far as making them deeper. And especially specifically, this was talking about the Arkansas river, but part of it was getting the government out of the way because the government regulations and permitting process process was, was a, was a problem. Don't want to hurt the shrimp darter. Something like that maybe. But, but so I think in some cases they would do it on their own without any government funding. If you if you let them do it, if you but, just give them the the leeway to right. be able to do it and get out I, of their way. But when I, it comes to waterways, that's a, that's going well. And, and, I, and I think generally the Corps of Engineers does that type of work. But but I think some of these industries would pay for it if you if you let them. Right. Well, when it comes to transport, especially interstate transportation infrastructure. That's one of the few legitimate spending areas for the federal government. Mm -hmm. Federal government doesn't have any constitutional mandate to make sure that we're well-fed or that our hospital bills are paid. Most of the money that the federal government spends is on things that aren't mandated in the Constitution. But infrastructure is something that you can make the case there's a legitimate uh, use of the taxpayers' money to improve interstate commerce and the roads and the airports in this country have been allowed, he's right, to deteriorate. Yes, they have. The last, the last 15 years and longer, they've been allowed to deteriorate. We're putting in bike paths and expanding Medicaid <laughs> uh, uh, to 122% of poverty level, but we're not taking care of our roads and we're not taking care of our airports, which are actual legitimate purposes. And on the federal level, Dave, you and I have talked about this on the more local level before, and you and I know personally that they always want to say, oh, gee, we got to have this tax oh, or your yeah. police and your schools are going to be lost. We're going to close all the fire stations if you don't get this tax. Well, 
you know, just like the schools and the police and the firemen should be the number one spending priority exactly for the local right. government. To where you things, start at. Things like interstate transportation infrastructure should be right up at the top of the federal government's list of responsibilities, not making sure that poor people get free toothpaste or, or free cell phones. We should or, go back to when Eisenhower was president. And uh, maybe we could get the interstate program yeah, back oh, where it needs I, to be. I have said for decades, please give me a president that builds good roads and then goes off and plays golf and there leaves go. me alone. That's wonderful. Good old Ike. <laughs> at, at least we have nice flower beds around our interstates, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, you, what, well, it's like, you know, R.D., I always talk about this. And the waste of money on the, po- on the programs that politicians do. And uh, the folks over at the Arkansas Transportation Department uh, has this. I'm pointing the finger directly at them. Why do we have to have all this artwork on the side of our overpasses and stuff? Makes us feel. You know good. what? Why do we have to have the imprint of the state of Arkansas on all of our bridges? Guess what? I know I'm in Arkansas. You don't have to remind me where I'm at. Well, I, I think the names of our politicians are written inside the somewhere, state outline, right? Somewhere that's, in there. That's I why we that's have the case. Why will our legislature not get together and revamp the way they spend money on roads yeah, in this why, state? Why can't, they, why can't they stop wasting money on ornate bridges and such and actually fix some roads so that we're not losing the front end of our cars? Well, how about fixing roads where the traffic's at instead of going out and starting new roads? Because you think, well, we've got X amount of dollars in our certain area of the well, state that we have we have to spend. They can't keep up the roads they got now. I believe it's because of the lobbyists that, that are in place. We know there's a construction lobbyist. You know, you've got the equipment lobbyist. You've got the concrete lobbyists and all these people. These people have been addicted to the stimulus money, and they are screaming for more money. Now, Barack Obama's gone. He gave them trillions of dollars. Those people have already bought the equipment and have the rollers ready to go. So now they're waiting for somebody. They've, to, they, they, they've, yeah. got, the, they've got the teeth in their mouth and they want to suck. Some uh, that's milk. exactly right. So <laughs> cut but, right to the chase. Paul. So uh, <laughs> hopefully Trump can do it. Now I looked it up. It's of the $3.2 trillion. It looks like it costs federal taxpayers around, you know, $850 billion. Oh, so Trump so $850 billion. So maybe if we could, if we could get by with half of that, you know, I guess we got off cheap. <laughs> I don't know. And and, and, the, and and the Republicans will come along and tell us it was a cut. It was a, it was oh, a, yeah. A government it was a cut. conservative. Yeah. Be- <laughs> because <laughs> because government only grew at 4% instead and, and, of 8%. Uh, right. So that's, yeah, that's so a cut. It'll, so it'll be a cut. That's and, a 4% and that's, savings. That's, that's the new Republican <laughs> form of cutting government. All right. Yeah. Got to get a break in because we're running out of time this hour. We don't want to run up too close to the bottom of the hour. Everything you know about claiming your Social Security benefits, well, they've been turned upside down. That's why you need to go to the next uh, info time that you can learn about Social Security with David Lucas of the David Lucas Show. You know, he did like 17 of these last year. Uh, Carl, you're a perfect example. You went to one of those. Okay. Go ahead and say that again. We see we got your mic yeah, on. I, there I, we go. I found David's uh, program to be very useful. It was very inexpensive. Got a lot of personal attention. Felt like he did an excellent job for us. My wife and I don't lose a minute's sleep worrying about our retirement funds. 
He doesn't have all of them. I got some of them under my own. Yeah, <laughs> sure, of course. But uh, but but he helped us out a lot. I thought that his advice was good, and uh, he was it was a very worthwhile relationship. Yeah, you get a for eighteen dollars, you get a workbook that's very nice. You're going to fill that out as you sit through the program. It's about two hours long, and uh, it's about Social Security and how to go and claim your benefits. You know, some of you have different things going on in your life that will uh, change the way you claim versus how I would claim Social Security. So, you know, March 29th and 30th are the next uh, two of these that he's going to have. Uh, Spend your $18 by calling 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. And uh, go to this uh, program. I need to attend one uh, either in March or he's going to have a couple of more coming up as the year goes on, because, hey, I hit 66 next year, and that's the year that I can go and, you know, start claiming my benefits at full, you know, what I say, fully vested uh, with Social Security. So I need to know all the ins and outs. That's with David Lucas. Again, the number, 501-653-6690. All right, we're just down to just a a few moments uh, remaining with the power panel here. Guys, that was an interesting interview with, uh, with Howard Kurtz. And, uh, you know, that question that uh, you came up with, uh, RD, he named names. That's exactly right. He's not afraid to call people out. Yeah, he did. Don Lemons, especially. <laughs> and he deserves to be called out. Amen. Dave, if I can say one last thing before yeah. we run out of time, I want to give a shout out of thanks to my coworkers and partners at Chanel Insurance for covering for me so I could be here today. And I want to say that it's a great honor that you asked me to be on this panel with two great Americans like R.D. and Paul. They're two of my favorite Arkansans. Well, i got to tell you, you're going to be really excited after we go off during the break before I come back because i got another question to ask you. Mm. Wow. Look at it. Look at you. Looking at me like, what's he going to ask me? Uh Uh-oh. I know you're already married, so I won't be asking that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about that. All right. Paul, you're going to the movie tonight, correct? I think so. I'm trying to find a restaurant to eat with my little sister before we go and and so i'm, I'm looking for a, a Mex- of, i'm looking for a mexican restaurant that does taco tuesdays but i'm i'm no taco tuesday right now well i'm just tacos I'm, for life doesn't do taco tuesday i don't know i'm 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 not familiar with i thought they restaurants. did they might do it maybe we can find one um here in little rock and, well there is one uh, over in west little rock real okay. easy to get to it's right over oh, there yeah. by uh, with them. where um a cracker barrel is okay I it's can, right down the road from them that might work out good I happen to know tacos for life because mm. I, I could eat tacos for life. I'm just saying, I, <laughs> I love tacos. I really do. I love them. What about you, RD? What's the rest of your week looking like? Keeping the, the payroll going? Uh, you got that right. Hard work will make sure that your social security checks don't start. I appreciate that, you man. You, you <laughs> are getting, be working real hard. You are getting that room ready in your house, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I, I always tell people, look, uh, it's going to be within the next, I think they said six years, two workers for every retiree on Social Security. Yeah. Two Boy, I think for one. I mean, when right it started off, it was like 75 hours. to one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I only work like 12 hours a day now. I mean, uh, I guess <laughs> I could work get, 16 hours. Get back hours to 40. And, yeah, get back. Get to work, <laughs> buddy. 40 hours. Get to back to but work. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going and voting tonight. Everybody out in District yeah, 29, go vote. I'm going to uh, please get out and vote in District 29 for your Senate seat, and I'll be I'll be at the show tonight with you. So do you All right. A, do I'll a, see you guys. Do you have a suggestion for the for who to vote for? Well, no. I'm, I'm, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he does not. Right. We'll be back with the Bible guys in a moment. <laughs> 
Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right, final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Tuesday, and uh, after I finish up at uh, 6 o'clock, I'll uh, be over to the theater to say hi to everybody tonight. The sound of music oh, I forgot to tell happens the tonight. Yeah, that's on tonight. Uh, we're working on the second screen uh, for tonight and maybe moving into the third. I will tell you already, we're, we're selling well for uh, Clockwork Orange, which is next month's movie. But the April movie is going to be Gone with the Wind. And I've been told we're starting on the fourth theater already for people who want to see that movie. So um, get on uh, you know Riverdale10.com for that. All right, he's back in the studio now with the Bible guys. You know, Pastor Scott Stewart is here from Agape Church, 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock. Their Sunday service time is uh, 10 a.m. Their website, aclr.org. And his Twitter, if you want to send him uh, a message directly, is at Dr. Scott Stewart. That's just D-R, no dot, Dr. Scott, S-C-O-T-T-S-T-E. W-A-R-T. You have a question that you'd like to ask uh, Scott and Steve here, and Steve Hess here as well, uh, 823-0965, 823-0965. And, uh, Scott, I wanted to remind you that March 25th, make sure you put it on your calendar. March 25th. Passover at New Life Church, Cabot. All right. We're going to have a good time. We had a good time last yes, year, we Dave. Yes, did. I, I'm, I'm going to uh, set up a Eventbrite mm-hmm. uh, for that because we're opening it up to the whole church. Sweet. So I don't know how many people are going to be there, but I expect that we'll have a large crowd. Does that mean we're going to be in the, uh, the auditorium? Well, if necessary, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we may have to go out and buy a few more tables, to be honest, over right. at uh, New Life Church uh, for that. And that I need to sit down with both of you uh here within the next couple of weeks at the, at the, you know, latest and talk about pictures. You might, you know, I'd like to get a picture of what the the plate looks like and all of that. So we can put it up on the big screens and things of that nature. Sweet. Yeah. It's going to be a good fun. And maybe talk about maybe a little bit of music that you guys might want. I can get maybe the, uh, uh, worship group to come in and play a couple of songs or whatever. Okay. Do you you sing Dave? I do. Well, I do, but not that anybody wants to listen. (laughs) <laughs> I live by the term "make a joyful noise." That, oh, there you that's go. how we would do them over at Kahilia. We we would after we do the seder, we would close it out with a worship. 
Yeah, and it, and it just uh, makes sense. Well, and also as biblical, the scripture actually tells us that after they finished the meal, it says then they sang a hymn and yeah. they went out, which is very um, uh, traditional to do. So it would uh, it would make uh, make perfect sense if we had something like that. All right. So anyway, here's the key: eight two three zero nine six five. That is your direct line uh, to uh, Doctor Stewart and to Steve Hess, and they will answer your Bible questions here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We do this every Tuesday on the Dave Ellswick Show because, like I tell you, politics are important. But politics doesn't change hearts. No. All right? Christ changes hearts. Yep. And if you want to really change this country, we got to change people's hearts. Amen. Amen. You know, that's a, a good segue. Yeah. And that is a lot of people don't realize how political the environments were surrounding Jesus and what was going on during his uh, prosecution. A lot. Yeah, how political on. that event was. Uh, there's some people who um, view all the people in that uh, era and around that was going on, they just viewed this as another rebel rousing against the Romans, not realizing it was actually the greatest spiritual event that happened in mankind's history. But it was just, just another rebel coming against the, the system is and, how a lot of people looked at it. Not only was it a physical event, but it was a huge spiritual warfare event yep. at the exact same time. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. Heaven and earth collided at that moment. Well, the Bible says that if the devils had known yeah. who he was, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. So there was a there was a, 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 a hell storm that was going on. Okay, so what you just said should let everybody know that Satan isn't omnipotent. No, he's right. not. A lot of people think, you know, I guess they think he is. I, I've known that he's, you know, not. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people think that he knows everything that's going on. Evidently, does not. He does not. And no. that's also, I heard this case, and it makes the most sense to me. One, why the story of what was going to happen had to be hidden in the scriptures and not told plainly. And then why Jesus himself never said it openly until right towards the end. Mm-hmm. Because he couldn't let the plan be known. Otherwise, he would have stopped. It wasn't till that was set in motion, then it was unstoppable. All right. We got two callers. Let's start with the first one. It's Tanya in Little Rock. Tanya, how are you? Welcome to the Bible, guys. Hi. I have a question for Dr. Stewart. Sure. Um, um, I understand that uh, your church believes that healing, that it's God's will to heal everyone. Um, That's right. how How do you guys handle a situation where you've been praying for someone, but then that person actually does not get healed? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just going to hang up and listen to your answer. Okay, good question. That's an excellent question. Yeah, what we do is we we believe that it is God's will to to heal everyone. Uh, That is true. And uh, it is based off of um, several things. Uh, Number one, it's obviously based out of uh, uh, the Scripture. Uh, first of all, let's just start off with the fact that the Bible tells us that Jesus is the express image of the Father. And he says, I do nothing unless I see my Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear my Father say it. And when you look at the life and ministry of Jesus when he was here on the planet, we can ask ourselves the question, what was his expressed will? Everyone who came to him was healed. We never see him once ever making anybody sick, but instead, as the express will of the Father, what he did was he brought healing. He even said that healing is the children's bread. So he brought healing to his generation, healing to the children. We never see him once going around saying, you know, I'm going to put leprosy on that person. What did he do? He healed leprosy. So he was the actual antithesis of uh, sickness, and he was the great uh, physician. 
Hebrew or Isaiah 30, 20, 53 tells us that he bore our sicknesses and he carried our diseases by his stripes we are healed. The reason why why wasn't he just why was he not just crucified? Why was he also striped? Because his stripes had to carry and bear our this, the the atonement for our sickness. So he took stripes on his back for the purpose that by those stripes we would be uh, healed. And how we handle if someone isn't um, healed is uh, is quite simply that we understand that not every healing in the Bible happened instantaneously. The Bible says sometimes people were healed in that very same hour. So it wasn't always an immediate healing that took place. But what we do is we present to the people God's will, which is healing. Let me just just go ahead and back up and say this. Did every time Jesus pray for somebody, they were healed instantly? No. I'm thinking about this one example where the Bible says that in his own hometown, it says there he could do no mighty work except lay his hands upon a few sick folk and heal them. Just because uh, not everybody was healed does not mean it wasn't the will of God for someone to be healed. Can I I ask this question? Sure. Our view of healing is that the person gets well Mm -hmm. and stays with us in this realm. Yeah. Cannot healing be that you pass and that's ultimate healing? Well, it is it is ultimate healing, but I do think that the reason why stripes were taken upon Jesus' back was to provide healing for the physical body at that time. And I'll quickly go to the next example, and that is that at one point, there's only one time in the Bible Jesus had to pray twice for somebody to be healed. He, a guy who was blind, he laid hands on him and commanded him to be healed, and Jesus said, do you see anything? And he said, I see men like trees walking. And the Bible says, then Jesus laid his hands upon him again, a second time. So uh, the fact that, that someone wasn't healed instantly doesn't mean it wasn't God's will for them to be healed. Apparently, there was something in the atmosphere that required Jesus to pray twice for this individual. And this gets into a lot more detail. But what we do is we present the biblical ideal, which is by stripes, you are healed. Whether you experience it or not at this moment is irrelevant. Truth trumps reality. Truth is, actually, truth is the reality, which is by stripes, we're healed. However, one of the the rules of being a human now is we're all going to die. Of course. Right. Of course. Now, yeah, and I I believe exactly it's one of those things that, you know, as usual, Scott and I agree, uh, and the Bible makes it very clear, um, as he just laid out. It is a very difficult question, though. As a matter of fact, uh, just this past Saturday, I did a funeral for a dear friend who died of cancer. And we all prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we believed, and we believe in the healing power of God. And I can't give an answer to why. But I'm not going to cite the guy's name because I'm not allowed to use his name, but he was a well-known right. uh, preacher today who had a real honest moment when I heard him preaching once, and he said that he saw, all, he would talk about all kinds of miracles and seeing eyes restored and all this kind of stuff and seeing all these things that were done through the hands of his father, that the Spirit of God used his father. He just saw these things growing up, and he, but then all of a sudden his father is now dying, uh, and I don't remember what sickness he had. And he had, had a real moment of honesty with his father, and he said, Dad, I don't know what to tell these people. He goes, he said, we have seen so many miracles by God, but yet you're dying of a sickness. He goes, what do I tell them? He said, you tell them that I went out believing that God was going to heal me. And there's this point where you come back to trusting just in the sovereignty of God. You can believe, and we confess, and we trust, and it is the will of God, but I can't give an answer on to why. Sometimes it just doesn't. And 
but there are countless examples and people that we could call and Scott could give examples where we could say God is still in the healing business today. All right. We're going to go to another caller. Sue is in Cabot. Hi, Sue. How are you? And welcome to the Bible Guys. Hi, Dave. Hey. Uh, I'm going back to the Seder meal. Yes. And you can just count on having a keys player for the worship team that night. All, All right. All right. Great. You'll be there. You That's know, good. You know who this is, right? I do know who this is. I don't know who it is, this Sue. Is, this is my one of our uh, key players for the worship Excellent. team Super. at New Life Church in Cabot. I'll, I'll, I'll have to bring that to Ethan's attention and see if he can get a few people to, to show up. Super. We'll yeah, pick up, we'll I'm pick sure up the we dinner. Can, but I'll yeah, be lo- look forward to meeting you, Sue. You can at least have a, key, a keys player. So. All right. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, and I and listen to you whenever I'm not actually working. Thank you, Sue. Did you have a question for Scott or Steve? No, not no, not today. I just enjoy listening. Okay. Thanks for calling in, okay. though. Thanks, Sue. Bye-bye Thank now. Thank you. Yeah, keep in mind that I'll put up an Eventbrite uh, opportunity, and I'll let everybody know. Well, I might just go ahead and put it up, and if you want to come to it, come on. Excellent. Yeah. My, Excellent. Pe- my preacher is listening right now and going, <laughs> what? Ellsworth, I didn't tell you that. Yeah. Uh, it's 19 after 5. We've got to take a break, and then JT will be to you. Uh, Marie in Little Rock will talk to you. The phone lines are buzzing today. you got questions, 823-0965. The Bible guy's here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Aero Plumbing. Aero Plumbing will take care of whatever your plumbing problem is, whether it's at your home or it's at your business. Uh, they've got technology folks. I mean, they have technology. You find a, a leak that they find it's out underneath your home, underneath your slab. They can burrow under it. They can burrow under your wife's favorite uh, flower bed. They don't have to tear it up. They can burrow under your parking lot. They don't have to go in and tear your parking lot up. That's why Earl is so great with Errol plumbing. He thinks big time. He thinks about things that you don't want to be inconvenienced by having your kitchen floor jackhammered out. All right. He understands that he understands that you lose business if your parking lot is all torn up. So use the people that do the job with, uh, you know, master plumbers ready to ser- uh, serve their, uh, their clientele. And that is arrow plumbing. I've used them for years. I highly recommend them to you. That's arrow plumbing, arrowplumbing.net. Or just Google Arrow Plumbing. Don't forget about Safari Pants, 808 West Main in Cabot. March the 1st from 530 to 7 o'clock, they're going to have a science night about pet nutrition over at Magnus Creek Elementary. I love what Safari Pets does. They go out to the elementary schools all over Cabot and have these special nights about animals uh, with the kids. And you know how kids are about animals. And they bring out the spiders and the snakes and all of that for them. And they really have a great time. Also, circle March the 14th on your calendar for Safari Pets. That is their big yearly anniversary sale with lots and lots and lots of sales and discounts. That's Safari Pets, 808 West Main in Cabot. Back to the phones with the uh, the Bible guys. We've got JT. JT's in Little Rock. JT, your question for the Bible guys. Good evening, guys. Amen. I hear you guys talking about um, the will of God to heal, mm-hmm. but um, how do you know the will of wh- what the will of God is? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, can it can it be for everyone? Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's let them talk about that. Thanks That's a lot, JT. A, that is really 
that's a deeper question than you probably even realize, JT. Yeah, it really is. Well, um, what we believe is the will of God is, as you know, everybody can have a different opinion about what the will of God is. And the only way where we have any certainty as to what the will of God actually is Bible. is the word of God. <laughs> Uh, the Bible is, we, we know we call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. We Sometimes it could be also looked at as the the first and the last will and testament. So we know that the scripture is uh, the will of God. It is his is it is it His will. When someone dies, they leave a will, and the will is there is what they would like to happen. So the will of God is contained in the Word of God. So when we have the Word of God on an issue, like healing, for example, we know that that is the express will of God. Uh, we were talking during the break. Um, although we believe it is the will of God to heal, remember whenever the like the lepers came to Jesus and they said, "Lord, if you will, you can make us clean." And his response was, "I will." Uh, and get this: Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if He willed it in the past, He wills it today. Uh, the lepers didn't come questioning his power or his ability. That's not in question. We all know God can. Most of us have the question, will he? Um, and let me just say this. Even though things are happening in your life, you're not just to accept things that are happening as the will of God. And I say that uh, because the Scripture tells us this. It says, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of the truth of the Son of God, of Yeshua, Jesus. So it's God's will. Everybody gets saved. But the question is, should be asked then is, well, is everybody saved then? No. God wants everybody to go to heaven. Does everybody go? No. Just because God wills something does not mean it automatically happens. So although it is God's will that everything in the Bible be done in the earth, that doesn't mean that what God wills is going to happen. The Bible gives us God's ideal for mankind, and in that ideal is healing for all by the stripes of the Messiah. And all outside right. of healing, the uh, that's something that you have to seek as an individual as far as uh, people ask that question all the time. What is, what is God's will for my life? What is my calling? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And that's where we trust on the leading of the Holy Spirit through prayer and fasting and seeking the word of God and that kind of thing. All right. We're going to get the question and answer it after Fox News. Here is Marie. Marie, how are you? We'll take your question and then we're going to have to take a break and then we'll answer it. Okay. Okay, thanks. Um, I was listening earlier. You guys were saying, yeah, you were talking about God's desire to heal, but and how we should pray for healing. But how, like, how do you do that? Like, how do you, how do you actually pray for healing? Hmm. Okay, good I'm question. Gonna let, I'm going to let you go. That's going to take a while to answer. Sure. And because of that, we want to, you know, just uh, take a little bit of a break here because we got Fox News coming up in in about a minute. Just so you'll know. Uh, don't forget about Hortons, uh, Prosthetic and Orthotics. They're at 5220 West 12th Street in Little Rock. Their phone number is 501-663-2908. They are a family-run business that empathizes, sympathizes, and works as hard as they can to make sure that their clientele that needs a prosthetic or an orthotic, that you're going to get back as much mobility as you're wanting to. They're going to do everything in their power to make that happen. Whether you've lost a limb, uh, whether maybe you've just lost a part of a foot because of diabetes and you need an orthotic, or maybe you're a woman and you know, you had breast cancer and you had to have some breasts removed. 
uh, removed, the the folks at Hortons can take care of that as well. In fact, they have a group of people that will meet with you and take really good care of you. 501-663-2908 is their number. Again, their location is 5220 West 12th Street in Little Rock. They have some satellite locations. If you call the 663 number, uh, they will take care of telling you where those are. So, uh, you know, work with Gary and Mike and Chris and, and Tanya with Horton's uh, Orthotics and Prosthetics. Again, 663-2908. All right, let's get to uh, Fox News, get a one-minute update about what's happening, and then we'll come back with uh, our question about how do you pray for healing. We'll get to that after Fox News. All right, it's a Tuesday, and from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock, I have Dr. Scott Stewart. I have Steve Hess. They're both from Agape Church. They come here into the studio and uh, it's a free for all you can ask whatever question you want about uh, the bible you can be a jesus follower you can be a skeptic you could be someone who's just a questioner a seeker you can call in ask your question and these gentlemen will do their best to uh, answer your question as fully and as clearly as possible we left off with the question of how do you pray healing that's mm-hmm. a that's a great question yeah yeah i would like to um uh, there's there's many ways to uh to pray for and uh, deal with healing and we we this is one of the ways that you're going to be led by uh led by the spirit to know which way to pray but one thing you should always do in any kind of prayer is you bring the word of god into it the bible actually tells us that we are to put god in remembrance of his word so whenever you pray for healing I would start off with position saying, Father, I am quoting to you. I'm putting you in remembrance of your word and quote his word back to him. You're actually quoting back to him his will. You're letting him know, Father, I know what your will is for me. And then you pray and you pray, and this is a big one, in the name of Jesus. You always pray in the name of Jesus, the name of Yeshua. Uh, And then also when you're praying for these things, one of the best examples is to go and to look at the life of Jesus. And you'll find that he ministered healing to people in a lot of different ways. He laid hands on some people and laying hands on the sick. The Bible actually tells us that, that, that those who believe will lay hands upon the sick and they'll recover. So laying hands on people is a big part of praying for the sick. But there are other times where he actually just sent his word. He spoke his word and it happened. Other times he actually uh, put things on people, almost like a prayer cloth and healed people. So there's there's a lot of different methods, and that part of it is being led by the Spirit. But this is the last thing I'll say about that uh, is that, and then I'll pass it over to Steve, is that when you see Jesus ministering healing to people, what you should notice is he never prays for them to be healed. He commands them to be healed. He says, be healed, be loosed, be set, be set free. He never says, Father, if it is your will, will you please heal this person? You ne- that is religious prayers of today. You should know his will. By his stripes, you are healed. So his will is already manifest. Jesus is the living personification of the manifest will of God, and he healed everybody who came to him. So so he always commanded people to be healed. So in our church, when people come up come up to the front to be prayed for for healing, I don't pray, oh, Father, would you, could you, do you feel like praying or healing them? I lay hands on them, and whatever their ailment is, I command them. I say, in the name of Jesus, I command you, be healed. I command that arm be healed. I command that tumor go. I command you cancer die. I command you cells regrow or whatever it's necessary. 
and we command it, and then we always command it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's one thing that I had to shift a few years ago because, you know, got in the mindset of praying and asking. And, yes, uh, Jesus did say, whatever you ask in my name and believing you shall receive. But if you look, the example he gave was to command. He didn't say to the paralytic, uh, Lord, I pray you healed him. He said, get up and walk. So the apostles did the same thing, and they went and they commanded, get up and walk or stretch out your hand or eyesight return. They didn't ask because the authority of Jesus before he ascended said, all authority has been given unto me. And so he passed it to the disciples, to the students. Uh, and so we, our prayers should be that way where we take the authority that's been given to us and confess that authority because it's in a sense, if we go before God and ask him to do it, he could almost say back to us, uh, I already gave you the authority. You, you go do it. Jesus said that to his disciples when they said about bread and stuff. He was like, you feed them. You do it. Yeah. You heal them. You take care of it. I've given you this. It comes back to an understanding of authority, what it means to have delegated authority. Remember whenever Jesus was talking to the centurion, he, and, 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 and the man said, um, I know what authority is. Yeah, he says, mm-hmm. he says uh, he, Jesus said, I'll come to your house and pray. He goes, no, 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 Lord, just speak the word and it'll be done. He said, I, too, am a man under authority. I have people under me. I say go, they go. I say, come, they come, mm-hmm. just say the word. And Jesus, the Bible says Jesus marvels. When you get Jesus to marvel, you've done something. That's right. And he says, I have not found faith in Israel. And he connected understanding of faith to the understanding of authority. And many people, like you said during the break, Dave, people, a lot of people think faith is just hope. And it's not hope. And, and it's not hope. The Bible says that faith is the evidence, that the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith gives substance to hope. They're, they're partners of two sides of one coin, but they're not the same thing. That's right. All right, let's go to PJ. He's in Little Rock. PJ, how are you? Welcome to the Bible, guys. Uh, good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I actually have a, a couple questions here tonight. Firstly, um, I was listening. I heard you mention uh, laying on of hands, and I was wondering, is that necessary, or can you just pray for people from afar? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh uh, yes, you can you can you can do both. You can lay hands on people, or you can pray for them uh, from afar. If if um, there's no distance and there's no space in the in the spirit, I mean, you know, PJ, if you were calling in right now and said you had a, an ailment, can you pray for me? I could pray for you right now, having no idea where you are, and the prayer would still be effective. It goes back to what we were saying about the centurion. Uh, the centurion said, "Lord, just speak the word, and it'll be done." Uh, so he understood that Jesus could speak the word where he was at, and it would affect the servant wherever the servant was at. Um, but also there are times where laying on of hands is also an important uh, aspect, and uh, and it really depends on the leading of the Spirit at the at the particular time. But both are valid ways to do it, um, and it just depends on how you feel led. You got another awesome. question? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was reading in the Old Testament how that the priest was to hold his hands with certain fingers touching touching each other uh, so while spreading his thumbs out or something like that. So I was just wondering, uh, what was that all about? Okay. Step off and listen to the answer. Thank you. All right. Uh, appreciate great. your call, PJ. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, what, you're, what you're mentioning there is quite a, is quite a, a fun story. Um, the, the priest, if you can imagine that the crowd of Israelites would be in, uh, like in the temple, the priest is on a little bit of elevated uh, platform and the Bible tells him he would stretch his hands out over the people and pray for them, speak a blessing over them. Um, sometimes, if you're in our church uh, and I'm praying for somebody up front, uh, I might ask the congregation, stretch your hands forward uh, as I pray for this person. 
so the stretching out of the hands over the people is a biblical thing. Typically it was done by the high priest, but it could be done by those who are in priestly offices, such as all of us. Uh, but the thing that you're referring to about the hand, uh, the Bible does prescribe how fingers should touch, uh, especially referring to the high priest. And he basically, the Bible says that they should take the, the pinky and the ring finger and they should touch, and, the, and then the middle finger and the index finger, they should touch, and the thumb should be spread out. And when you do that, looks like Spock. That's exactly it. You get the Vulcan live long <laughs> and prosper. That's exactly what you get, that's PJ. Where it came from. And the reason why you have that is because uh, we all remember um, Spock of Star Trek fame, Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spock's character was originally written to the Vulcan was to have a greeting, and the greeting was he was to bow down to people. And uh, Leonard Nimoy said, "You know, I really don't like that. I don't. It doesn't feel right." He said, "How about this?" And he held up this hand sign that we all know now as the Vulcan Live Long and Prosper sign. And the place where Nimoy came up with that is this. Most people don't know this, but Leonard Nimoy was a Jew. And he tells the story that he was uh, in synagogue. And at the end of every synagogue service, all the Kohanim, all the priests would go to the front of the auditorium. They would stretch their hands out over the congregation to bless them. And they would hold their hands in a strange fashion. And his dad said, son, don't look. You cover your eyes when they pray because the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory will come on us. And he said, but, you know, as a little boy, I couldn't resist, so I would peek. And as I would peek, I would see them holding their hands like this. And so what Leonard Nimoy did was he took the hand sign of the high priest, the Kohanim, prescribed by the Bible, and used that as the Vulcan greeting of living long and prospering. Part that's, of the, that's a very cool story. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And you can go you can go onto YouTube, you can you can YouTube it and you can see Spock and you can hear him tell the whole story himself. Mm-hmm. I say Spock. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> you hear Leonard right. Nimoy tell the whole story uh himself and he does the hand sign. And he even says it was an amazing thing when Star Trek began to take off. He said you drive down the street and anytime anybody saw him, they would lift up the priestly blessing sign uh everywhere he went and they'd all be shouting the blessings of living long and prospering, not had knowing no what, idea where it came from. No idea what they were doing. Yeah. So and thanks a lot, PJ. That was good. Somewhat similar to the to the letter Sheen uh for Shaddai, one of the names of mm-hmm. God. Yeah. So El Shaddai. Right. It's not really the uh, I'm not saying that's the exact reason why, but there's obviously a correlation to that. The Bible says that the priests shall lay the, put the name of God on the people, and so that's what they would do. They would take their hand, and I know if you guys are looking on the online, you can see my hand here, and this looks like the letter Sheen. Basically, it's like a W, uh, and he would, lay, he would stretch out over the people, and that was putting the name of God on the people. As a matter of fact, if you look at, um, you know what a mezuzah is, Dave? Uh, no, I know what a kazoo is. <laughs> <laughs> not not quite the same thing. I'm sure it isn't the same thing. No, uh, it looks similar. Uh, a mezuzah is a, is, a, is, a, is a box that typically is uh, the Jews place on the door frame of their houses. The word mezuzah means door door frame or doorpost. And inside With the Ten Commandments in it, right? It's not the Ten Commandments, but it's a scriptures inside there. Okay. But, but on, on them, you will find the letter shin, and it's one letter. And the, and the rabbis tell us there is one letter that represent all that God is, and it's the shin. So you'll see this W-looking thing on a lot of um, of Jewish um, types of uh, religious um, uh, wear and things of that nature. Uh, as a matter of fact, when when the uh, when um, Schuster and uh, what's the other guy who invented Superman? Remember what that? Mm, Siegel. Uh, yeah, when Siegel, when they invented uh, Superman, they um, they named him 
Now, if you say, well, what, what, what was Superman's name? Everybody will say, what well, was Clark Kent? Well, no, no, it was his earthly. That's name. his earthly name. His real Kryptonian name was Kalel, mm-hmm. and what most people don't know is that Kalel is Hebrew, and of course these are Jewish guys inventing yes, him. Yes, they were. And so Kalel uh, actually means Kal, and Hebrew means all, and El is God. So his name was All God, and then they put on his chest a letter, and this letter here, the Sheen. If you write the Sheen in English, it's an S. So the, so the letter that stood for all that God is was placed on the chest of a man who was named All God, put in a human body to be the answer to mankind. Hmm. That sounds like a gospel to me. <laughs> right, that does sound like a gospel. All right, got to get a break. Sorry about Final that. break, and then uh, if you've got a question, give us a call, 823-0965. Those were some really cool stories <laughs> today, Scott. 823-0965, you got a question for Scott Stewart or for Steve Hess. They're here until 6 o'clock to take your question. Want to know how to go and claim your Social Security benefits? Well, you need to know the information. You need to know uh, exactly what does what. And to do that, you need to go to one of the uh, informational uh, meetings that David Lucas has about Social Security. And the next one, March 29th and 30th, uh, on those two days, he's going to have meetings and for $18, you get a, a workbook and you go to these meetings and he will spend two hours deciphering, claiming your social security benefits. You need to go to this to understand and uh, make the right uh, decisions because it can end up, if you make the wrong one, lose you tens of thousands of dollars in lifetime benefits that, you know, they're rightfully yours. 501-653-6690 is the number to call. Again, $18. You get the workbook, you get to go and hear uh, David uh, talk to you about Social Security, 501-653-6690. Bible guys are here. Of course, that is Dr. Scott Stewart and, of course, Steve Hess. They're from Agape. Uh, If you want to attend services at Agape, it's simple to do. You just make your way over uh, to their, uh, their church at 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock. Their Sunday service time is at 10 a.m. The website, if you want to know more about them, aclr.org. And the Twitter account for Dr. Scott Stewart is at Dr. Just D-R, Scott Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T. All right, we got time for another call. Let's get Doug here. Uh, Doug is in Pulaski County. How you doing, Doug? Hey, Doug. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this Doug House. How you doing? Oh, doing good, <laughs> doing good Doug. Man. It's good to hear from you. Hey, it's I always love your show, Dave. I sure do. Sorry. Thank you. Caught me off guard. Uh, Brother Stewart. Yes, sir. Uh, Brother Hess. I am a mir- I am a recipient of a miracle. Mm. Uh, X rays. The doctors called the family in so he'll he'll be dead by morning, nineteen eighty six. Next morning, all infection gone. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, later years, eighteen months in Iraq. You know, I, I know miracles. Amen. But sometimes we pray, sometimes we plead, mm-hmm. and God says, no, this person will not get better, mm-hmm. no matter how hard we pray, no matter how hard we believe. Would you talk a little bit about when sometimes God says, no, I'll just give them a new body? <laughs> All right, Doug, I appreciate your call. That's that's what I said earlier on in the show, yeah. the ultimate healing is to go home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that obviously, that is the uh, ultimate healing. When you and when someone goes on, you know, you celebrate the fact that they are no longer in pain and they're completely and totally uh, restored. Um, 
But you know, at uh, as far as the uh, the healing, you know, if somebody says this. Someone has once said, I've heard it said before. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes not. God says no. Sometimes God says maybe. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. The Bible says this: the promises of God are yes and amen. So whether or not I see the manifestation of um, a promise, it cannot change my expression, which is yes and amen. For example, if I was praying for someone to be saved, and I prayed and I prayed and I fasted and I prayed, and they never got saved, I would not question God's will to save that person. No, because just, it is his will. Right. Just because he they didn't get saved would not change my position of faith regarding God's will to save. And the same thing is true with healing. Even though I don't see it happen, I still have to. The only thing I can base my faith on is on what God's word says. His promises are yes and amen. So uh, I would have to position myself saying, you know, I don't understand why they didn't get healed. Just like I have to say, I don't know why they didn't get saved. At the end of the day, the only fallback is the will of God. And that's where we get our strength, Dave, from knowing what God's will is. That's why people have to commit the word of God to memory and get it into their into their heart. Yeah. I've been listening. I, I listen to uh, Tony Evans as I drive home. He's on from 630 to 7 o'clock on our, our teaching mm-hmm. and preaching station as I'm Faith Talk 99.5. Yep. And he's been talking about uh, the supernatural. Yeah. And that the reason a lot of people don't see the supernatural is, mm-hmm. number one, they deny mm-hmm. the supernatural. Right. Our, our culture denies mm-hmm. the supernatural, what we live in now. And we, we, we apply human logic mm-hmm. to things. He talks about when he went to raise Lazarus from the dead. Yeah. And he said, roll the stone away. Mm-hmm. Well, Mary didn't say, well, do what he said, roll the stone away. What did she do? She says, but Lord, yeah, right. he's been dead for four days. Uh-huh. Don't you understand? No, she's talking to Jesus. She's talking to God. Yeah. Here. Right. Don't you understand that, you know, he, he stinks now, <laughs> he, you know, and, and he, she gives him a biology lesson right. <laughs> and he looks looks at her and he says, roll the stone away. (laughs) You know, did I not, did you not hear me? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the way we are. I mean, the way he says it's not seen as believing, but believing is seen. Yeah. And that's what, I think that's the position we always Mm -hmm. have to, to maintain is that, you know what, regardless, come what may, I am going to believe what the word of God has to say. Somebody once said this, if I pray for 10 people and 11 people die, I'm still going to believe that by his stripes I am healed. That's right. And he was the manifest presence and the manifest will of God in the earth. So we leave the the uh, we leave the questions in the hands of the Lord. And I think that's probably one of the greatest places of faith we can be. You know what? I prayed for this. It didn't happen. I don't understand it, but I still believe and I still trust anyway. Look, I've been given what I believe is an order by God, all mm-hmm. right? You guys know about it. I've yep. talked to you about it. It hasn't happened. But I believe it's still going to happen. Yeah, I, I believe it too. You know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have woke me up in the middle of the night. Oh, by the way, let me just say real quickly. I'm really fed up with the people who are th- this lady, almost Rosa or whatever her name was, that's on the Big Brother now or whatever, and was making fun of Vice President Pence by saying, you know, he says things that he says Jesus tells him to say. Let me just tell you something. Mm-hmm. 
I say things <laughs> on the air that I know God tells me to say. For sure. Because sure. the Spirit lives in all of That's us. Right. Amen. There are Amen. many places. All of us to, who are believers. Okay? Of course, right. I am. There are many places in, in the New Testament where it says the Spirit said to me or the angel told me or these things were... Uh, or the Spirit led me to but say... See, that's the supernatural part that everybody wants to deny. That's right. Right. That's Maybe. denying the power of that's what right. you have at your fingers. They deny it because they don't have a relationship and they don't know that voice. You know, maybe this maybe this should be our, our show for next week. It's about talk about the miraculous, about the miracle-working power of God and mm-hmm. how he does things like well, that. Well, it will ha- Yeah, I can do it because it's Tuesday. I'm leaving Wednesday because I go to D.C. for CPAC. Oh, right. But Tuesday, okay. that's what we'll talk about. Let's talk about the supernatural. Yeah. Does it really exist, all you Western thinkers <laughs> out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course it exists. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, I, I know it exists. I've seen yes. its power. The question power. is, is, does our reality exist? <laughs> <laughs> or well, do you, you want just, a red pill just, or a green pill? Are you just a thought? In the that's mind right. of somebody in another dimension. That's right. Anyway, we, we'll leave it with that. That's right. <laughs> hey, don't forget, 7 o'clock tonight, Sound of Music over <laughs> I'm looking at Russ. He's just shaking his head at me. Uh, we'll be over at uh, Riverdale 10, and uh, I'll see you in just a, a few moments over there. 7 o'clock, uh, we've got a second theater open, so um, don't let the uh, going online and looking at it and say, ooh, that, that's filled up. No, there's more seats. And if that second one completely fills up, we'll we'll open a third one. Sound of Music tonight, great musical. Hope I see you there. Steve and Scott, thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. The Bible Guys return next Tuesday at 5 o'clock. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com.